Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Donnelly. And folks, we've got uh, the the conference that just will not die. It's going to live forever. It is definitely not in extreme danger of all of its teams leaving. It. Why would you say that? That's very obviously not true. Uh, you're spreading false information. Folks, it's the ACC. Um, it's America's conference. Again, as all conferences are, this is America's conference. Folks, we love our conferences. We can't get enough of the conferences. Um, and we're going to be previewing some, I, I would say, deeply shitty and odious teams almost yeah. entirely. I, there are and maybe, also NC State. <laughs> yeah, and also NC State. It's it's fun because this, this league does have our favorite team in NC State, and it also has our 11 least favorite teams in all of the other ones. Um, I guess I kind of there are fourteen teams in the conference. Patrick. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excluding Pitt, which is I'm I'm neutral on, and also Wake Forest, which I'm I'm pro. Uh, but the rest of them are all extremely odious, and I definitely didn't forget that there are fourteen teams in the league. Um, that is also false information that is being that is being spread by the haters and the losers who want to see this podcast fail. Uh, Ryan, how's it going? Uh, it's good, Patrick. Uh, I am. I'm a, you know, I'm living. I'm alive. Yeah. Uh, we're in another day and um, uh, another day in your America. Honestly, it's your country now. Yeah, uh, I, you've I... been uh, you gave Joe Brandon COVID. Uh, <laughs> you have become the president of the United States and uh, you're the guy who's uh, doing bad things to women's rights. And yeah. We're all just hanging out because of you. Well, you know, I, I came into the job with a mandate to uh, to make some changes. And I just I thought that it would be a. Uh, I thought that it would be a good time to, to take some steps in a different direction. You know, we, we wanted to, uh, we're going to be running an aggressive defense and an aggressive, uh, four, three, multiple defense. We're going to be spreading the ball out on offense, going up tempo. And it's just, I think the right direction for the country at this point is that we need a leader who is just going to say that he is running an aggressive defense, an aggressive multiple defense. Um, because, folks, that seems to cure all issues for football teams, and so I think it would work for a country, too. We've tried running it like a business. Now it's time to run it like a mid-tier ACC, ACC team. That's just how I feel. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's good to do it that way. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I have heard you have multiple offenses. I don't know about multiple defenses, but uh, you, you, you do certainly have multiple offenses on your record. That's and, true. Uh, yeah. I won't be saying which kind. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But <laughs> we should uh, probably probably enough time to be silly on this podcast. We're a very serious podcast. I'm getting yeah. very serious football. Yeah. So let's start with the Dookie Blue Devils. Sure. Um, hmm, they hired Mike Elko, huh? Mm-hmm. They sure did. I mean, uh, <laughs> would you, you be doing that sort of thing if you were a Duke athletic director? If you were a guy who uh, played the cross for 17 years when you were in high school? No, um, probably not. I think that this is, and I talked about this on a solo show five or six months ago, whenever that was, uh, when I went nuts for an hour. But Duke and Virginia kind of are an interesting pairing for me this offseason because I think that they took they were both hiring they're they're both jobs that are uh, limited by factors that are i think outside of the scope of the football coach um the, you know systematic issues with how much they invest in football how much they care about it that sort of thing but they both were hiring this offseason and they hired in two completely different ways they did like the two models of hiring um or two of the three or four models of hiring where virginia goes out and gets 
the you know coordinator from a from a, a contender, the tried and true coordinator from a contender that Texas has done twelve straight hires, um, in um, Elliot in um, shit. What's his Tony Elliott? Uh, and Duke mm-hmm. Duke goes out and does kind of the same thing with Elko from Texas A and M, but Elko is a very very different guy than uh, than Tony Elliott is insofar as he is not really an active recruiter from what I've gathered. And he's not really somebody who well, is very personal. Yeah, he's not an active recruiter in the sense that everyone he works with and has coached does not like it. People yeah. just seem to think he's a dickhead. Yeah, this is sort of like defense. We talked about on last show, defense Matt Canada, right? Where it's like, I think objectively he is a good coordinator. He knows his... He knows his stuff defensively. He has coordinated a lot of good defenses, but he seems very much reserved and sort of insular and and kind of like he just wants to be the uh, you know the the witch doctor for the defense. He just wants to focus on defense, which is a very specific kind of guy, and it's a guy who exists a lot among defensive coordinators. But I think that Duke ended up making even as it took a pretty similar avenue, it made an extremely different hire than Virginia made because. Uh, I don't think Mike Elko wants to recruit really all that much. I don't think that the plan here is to get like really talented. It seems like this is much more of that sort of, we want to have a unique scheme, which I like more than bringing in Tony Elliott, who has nothing unique about him. Um, but it's still not well, like... Well, Tony Elliott also great. has like been on good football teams before. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, that's. Uh, I would say that Mike <laughs> Elko has, has produced good defenses before. I don't, I don't know that it's his fault yeah. that Jimbo Fisher can't fucking Here's, throw a ball uh, yeah. out I mean, of the pitch, the pitch on Mike Elko is like, he, he's been an FBS defensive coordinator for 13 years and only 44 years old. Yeah. That is like, there's something uh, encouraging about it. the other side too is like, he's been a power five defensive coordinator for like 10 years and just got a shot. Yeah. Despite being like high level programs for the last six, seven years. Yeah. He's an asshole. Um, I think openly he's an asshole. He seems like a hard guy to work <laughs> with. <laughs> In regards to the team itself, I think it is a real zero, especially a real year zero, especially for their offense. Okay. It's also a zero for the season. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, Gunnar Holmberg, uh, last year starting quarterback, has gone to transfer. Uh, they lost Mateo Durant, their all ACC running back, to the NFL. Um, they brought in Kevin Johns, offensive coordinator out of Memphis, which yeah, he strange, is like, strange hire. Yeah, and also probably the worst Memphis OC of recent memory. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's, I, not... it's it's hard with Memphis coordinators to sort of split them from the coach they were working under, right? But he certainly didn't you know, cover himself in, in glory under, uh, under Silverfield these last two years. No. But I, I, it's, it's again, it's kind of hard to separate the two. Um, his resume is weird in general. He was a Kevin Wilson guy for a really long time, uh, yeah. at, at Indiana. He was, he was there for and like half a decade. You know my feelings on that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, he was also a, uh, his, his background is at least slightly in Randy Walker, which is interesting. So he is a, he's a, he's a, a deep spread tree guy. He is, very much a, uh, a kind of a close to the source uh, product of that Wilson Walker tree of the spread, which is I would say sort of a power spread with some air raid uh, aspects to it. Which hey, is, right now it's not going to work with Duke. It's just yeah, it's, it's not going to work. It's yeah? probably not unique enough to work with Duke. I think that it, it's it's become far too mainstream, and the kind of talent that you need to run that offense is unique largely to the best programs in the sport. Right? You're you're just not going to get like the best kind of running back for this offense is like an Ezekiel Elliott. And those guys don't really exist here, at least not f- frequently. Yeah. Like you know? Indiana had Tevin Coleman and it looked great when they had him. And like, yeah, 
but like you also, every other year didn't work too great. Yeah, you also have to recruit five good offensive linemen, and that's I think even more difficult than getting a good running back at this level, especially now where you do also have to keep them right because if you have a really good running back on a bad team, he'll just leave, which is fine. It's like yeah, good for him. You should. <laughs> I don't have any problem with like if you're a good running back at Duke, looking at this offensive line and saying like, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to go to somewhere else where they have an offensive line. Um, and so I think that's certainly an uphill battle. It's it's a kind of a strange schematic pick. And then Rob Smith on the other side of the ball just stinks, just not a good not a good coach. He's a Greg Schiano guy. Um, I don't imagine that the defense is going to be like seriously structurally challenged because of Elko, um, but just sort of a weird... Uh, you know, collection of coaches here. I don't really, yeah. I don't really quite understand what the the thinking behind this is, other than like they want to be sort of a a more progressive offensively version of what Texas A and M was doing schematically. I, I think and that's, that's not overthink this. I think the reaction was we've had one of the worst events in the country for like five years in a row. Yeah, let's get the best defensive coordinator we can agree to come coach us. I think that was just their whole thought process. Man, do, uh, you know what? Really, and that's yeah. I I really don't understand. Um, and maybe he was a candidate, and I don't remember. But why not just hire Jim Knowles to be your head coach? Why? <laughs> well, I mean, if you're Duke, you, I mean, if between a 56 year old guy who's like, I don't know, doesn't seem to be a good recruiter either, at least the 44 year old might stick around longer. I guess, but like Jim Knowles has been a head coach and he was at Duke. Like, I, I don't really. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think they want he, another old guy. I don't think they want another Cutcliffe repeat. Like, Cutcliffe. I, I guess. I, I, I think that Knowles would have been a much better fit. Obviously, they didn't make that choice, and now we are stuck with a, uh, yeah, definitely yeah. a year zero situation here. You've got. Let's, um, let's run personnel really quick. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've, I mean, a couple freshman quarterbacks competing for the job. Uh, I don't know. They have Jalen Calhoun at receiver, who I like. They have Nikki Damlin at tight end, who's pretty solid. Yeah. And their running backs are non-existent really yeah, Jalen Coleman uh, and Jordan Waters seem to be the guys here they are replacing is it Mateo Durant who was the Mateo uh, Durant yeah it was the, all ACC the, the pretty good halfback last year and, and just saw a ton of carries um quarterback Jack bat- Wolt yeah quarterback yeah. battle is brutal here the quarterback battle is not uh the names I'm seeing are Riley Leonard and Jordan Moore so if you're big Riley Leonard mm. or Jordan Moore head uh, this is a big, big opportunity for you to see your see your. Guys. Those are some Georgia walk-on quarterback names. Yeah, uh, they also lose Jake Bobo, who we talked about in the last episode, who was their receptions leader last year. Um, the offense is the offense is in a bad state. The offense is not positioned especially well. I don't think to do much of anything this year, even if you like Johns more than we do, which is a hard guy to imagine but yeah um, also not a good sign by the way for your oc's like ability if he leaves a struggling memphis program to go to a power five program and no one comes with him yeah um not a great sign for what his players thought of him i think yeah. <laughs> i mean Man, maybe yeah. i'm being a little unfair but uh, <laughs> that would give me like, some pause if i were that, a fan did they really they didn't bring anybody in did they from uh from memphis which is crazy because you'd think at least like with no running backs here, you know, no established running backs, he could have brought a running back with him because Memphis just brought in Javon Ducker from NIU. So it's like you would the guys yeah, there, one of that. them is not going to get a lot of playing time because of who they brought in. But still, no. No interest at all. <laughs> nope. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, that sucks, man. Damn. Um, well, I don't know. They also lost their best offensive lineman, too, with Jack Woolabaugh finally graduated after 19 seasons. Yeah, they do bring um, back four starters up front, but they're not the four good ones, um, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, not 
not ideal. Yeah, I really, I think that some Memphis, I'm just, I'm stuck on it. I think some Memphis running backs did transfer. They just didn't transfer here. <laughs> not, not what you want when you're yeah. supposed to be the guy who's like the running back spread guy. That is not, uh, yeah, not what you man. want. Yeah. With Kevin Johns. Yeah. Uh, on the, on, on the defensive <laughs> side really quick here, I think, uh, they were the worst defense in the country last year in yards allowed per game. Um, yeah, yeah, really bad. And the, and and they lost like all the players that were actually decent too. Seven of their top nine defensive backs from snap count are gone. Uh, Eleven of the nineteen who even played a snap are gone from the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a couple pieces in the front seven. They have Dwayne Carter Jr., who I like at defensive tackle. He's an Ohio kid. Um, in the secondary and the linebackers, just nothing there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You would assume they won't be last in the FBS again, just because Mike Alco is the head coach. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if this defense is like ranked 80th. That's a win. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my last thing on the on the uh, the Memphis thing, just because I want to mention this. This is especially glaring, even more than the running backs. Grant Gannell, who was at Memphis last year, was in the transfer portal this offseason, and he went to North Texas. This is not a team that has a quarterback, and yet <laughs> they still couldn't get this guy away from fucking North Texas. Damn, that's really bad. That's really, really bad. Um, let's 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 look at the schedule here. I don't imagine that this is going to be especially good. I, I think that that's. I don't know that there's a ton of detail we need to give. They have a like real fun not. thing too, where they play the worst team in two other Power Five conferences. So they're gonna get they're gonna get a measure of how terrible they are really fast. Yeah. So they open the season home against Temple. Probably a win. Temple is is very much in a year zero. Yeah, I think they win that. That's a win. Um, That's a good win to start the season. Yeah, at Northwestern in week two. I I can't imagine that they're going to win that game, right? Yeah, we'll talk about Northwestern in like a week or so. Yeah. Uh, Oh boy, will they're not good either, but they at least have something to lean on, right? Yeah, they they've been doing this for longer than Duke has, at least, right? Like they're they're (laughs) they're much further ahead in this process than Duke is. Uh, yes. Okay. So one and one, they, they'll get North Carolina A and T at home, which they should win. They should win that they game. They should win that game. That's yeah. Two and one. They go at Kansas. That's a loss. I think they probably lose that. That's game. That's a loss. Yeah. We're gonna end up probably giving Kansas like six wins on accident. But I, I didn't we already do their? Oh no, that's that's no, that's sorry. We're doing no. that later today. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, we're doing it in six days, Patrick. Remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that is uh, yeah, that's a loss as well. So probably two and two, and then uh, I I think there's maybe one more win on the schedule at Georgia Tech on October eighth. Um, but the rest of the schedule is home against Virginia, which I think is, oh, actually Virginia is, is, I had forgotten, uh, also in hell. So that could be, oh no, Virginia is not nearly as bad as Duke. Virginia, like Virginia, Virginia does have a quarterback. Yeah, that's, that's fair. It just doesn't have anything else, but they do have a quarterback. So that's a win. Um, or a loss for uh, for Duke, a win for Virginia. So to Georgia Tech, I don't know. Do you think they beat Georgia Tech? We're going to talk about them in a second here, but like. That Jesus. is, uh, they have some really bad vibes in that roster, but they, uh, I don't know, like, they... They got the halfback, mm, they got Dylan McDuffie from Buffalo, he's capable. Um, actually, yeah, the more I'm thinking about it, I think I might have Georgia Tech below Duke. I probably should have reversed these. I wonder who, so Georgia Tech before this game, just I'm out of curiosity, we'll talk about them in depth in a minute, but um, Georgia Tech... You can say at least this, there's one unit you can identify in Duke's team yeah. that has some experience and depth with offensive line. There are, I believe, none on Georgia Tech's team. Georgia Tech is going to be coming into this game at one and four. Um, like I'm confident in saying that. The only, I think, potential win here would be at UCF of the four because it's Clemson, Ole Miss, UCF, and Pitt, and then also Western Carolina. So one and four, they get Duke at home, and then it's an off week before getting Virginia at home. So I, I think that 
that doesn't set up horribly for Georgia Tech. I think that there is a chance, though, that it is has just given up at this point. You know, one and four start. I, I think there's a chance that the players have just mutinied by that. Yeah, by that I think I think Duke wins this game, and then they fire uh, Jeff Collins going in. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about this in a second, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, yeah. I'll actually, yeah, I'll, I'll replace this. I think Georgia Tech should have been last in my preview. My bad. So we're gonna say three uh, and I, three here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Three and three going into North Carolina at home, which is a loss, and at Miami, which is a loss before the off week. So three and five. Uh, finish the season at Boston College, Virginia Tech at home, at Pitt, Wake Forest at home. I don't think they win any of those games. No, maybe they piss off Virginia Tech and like get close, but that's about it. All got. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking probably happening. three probably, and nine. Probably three and nine here. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Who do we have next? Uh, we have. Uh, we have Georgia Tech here. Um, then, uh, okay, so Georgia Tech, the vibes the vibes are fucking bad, dude. The vibes are not good. Yeah, they they're... fired three assistant coaches. They had five others leave for different jobs and other staffs. Yeah. Uh, more than a dozen players transferred. Uh, Jeff Collins is now 9-25 for three seasons, including six straight losses to close last year, and a combined 100 to nothing score on the nose in the final <laughs> two games. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, and how does he respond to all the above problems? He hires Chip Long to coach his offense. Yes, sir. Yeah, Chip uh, Long, they, the guy They had who... one player with any NFL potential with Jameer Gibbs, and he now transferred out and plays for Alabama, which, smart move. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a team... The receivers team... still suck. Yeah, they have one... Sorry, zero offensive linemen that have double-digit starts in their career. Their quarterback, Jeff Sims, is maybe the worst of Power 5 football. There's no hope. Yeah, and he's like he's really he's bad in a really frustrating way where it's like he would be better in a competent program I, I i think he would be a legitimate p5 capable starter in a competent program but they have fucked him up so bad you, you can think that like, yeah <laughs> like i don't know he's not like he's not like devoid of any talent he's just he never he has never learned how to be a college quarterback because they have not taught him um but i mean like he's not I don't think that he's like the least talented player on earth or anything. He's a decent athlete. He's got a he's got an okay arm. He just he doesn't know what he's doing. He hasn't been taught how to play football. Um, yeah, this is generally speaking, and of course there will be you know there are, there are many exceptions to this rule. Um, but when you are entering into what is this year four for Jeff Collins, um, mm-hmm. and you are returning, let's see three offensive starters and two defensive starters that is not a good reflection of the work that you have done that is not uh what you want to see going into year four that you have no fucking experience on your on your starting lineup not only or your coaching staff yeah or your coaching staff you lost eight of your coaches yeah like not even because of like graduation or anything it's not like that they were they were you know washing out a, a a poor class or anything like that they just don't they lost all their guys they fucking ran them all off to the to the portal you know it's like nobody wanted to nobody wanted to be here they didn't graduate they just didn't want to be here and it's it's uh it's really really dire it's really not good yeah, um, and like pretty much their only piece of continuity almost in the entire roster or coaching staff is bringing back Andrew Thacker, their DC, yeah. who uh, is one of the worst DCs in America. They were basically ranked in the bottom 15 of every Cisco defensive category last year. Yeah. Like all of them. Like, yeah. like I'm not like, there's not one where they were good. There's not like one bright spot. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to say all the players who were any good, which is basically two decent safeties, they're gone too. They might have a decent linebacker. Too. There's just nothing in this team. They're they're sure. they're gonna lose almost all their games and they're gonna get fired. 
Yeah, I will say not really even in Thacker's defense, just that um, I think that what he wants to do and what Collins want to do is interesting. I like the the sort of aggressive. I know I just was joking about the aggressive four three, but I like the uh, the defensive <laughs> ideology of trying to create as many and many tackles for loss as you can, and not really worrying about giving up short completions. I think it's a decent idea. I think that a lot of people have had success with that. It's sort of the Manny Diaz uh, ideology. Um, but it's done so fucking poorly here. It's done. It's been done so, so unbelievably badly where they just don't have any players who can do that. They don't have any defenders who can make plays. They have just a bunch of like recently slow linebackers, defensive linemen who can't get into the backfield, the ones who can have transferred out, and then defensive backs who can't cover anything. And it just doesn't, there's nothing good about this defense. They are too aggressive for their own talent in a way where like, I don't think that there is any level of uh, conservatism defensively they could deploy that would still not result in disaster. It's just, there's no fucking talent on this defense at all. There's nothing here. Yeah, there's, I mean, I have nothing nice to say about this program. Yeah, yeah, it's in a, it's really, it's in a really <laughs> bad state, and I don't know what you do to get out of this, because it doesn't seem like they have any interest in going back to the triple, unfortunately. Um, I, I, well, I think that, that maybe you, you hire someone out of, like, the, either you try to hire Jamie Chadwell himself, or, like, someone out of, kind of, like, the Chadwell Claus and Breed, we're just trying to do hyper efficient small playbooks. Yeah. Uh, my I, my my guess is that they're going to hire somebody from uh, the Hypel tree. I would guess they go after like Alex Golash because um, I don't think not the right answer. No, I agree, but I don't think that they are willing to even entertain option football like Chadwell, like Clausen. I think they're very sensitive about this right now, and I would guess that doing that would feel like surrendering to them, to the the athletic department, which is obviously fucking embarrassing. Grow up. Uh, your job is not to look impressive it's to win football games and winning football games would happen with jamie chadwell or somebody off the claw entry. but i would guess that they go right. and hire somebody like alex galesh that they do an offense it, first move but it's not like creative in any way it just relies on self-awareness though right it's like give, I, I know this i know you and i agree on this but like it, it's just to have self-awareness is is to like how you have to handle this like you have to know even if you think you can become more talented because you're a great out of school in atlanta yada yada yeah uh you have to know that right now you're not, and you have to shorten the games, not make yes. them longer. Like you yeah. have to be running, not not true. Tri- you don't have to run true triple option football, but again, like the Chadwell Clausen stuff, where like it's a lot of a lot of option plays and like running the football all the fucking time. I mean, yeah. uh, Clausen doesn't run the football a lot, but like uh, Chadwell does for sure. Like there's just yeah. you have to kind of fucking get your head out of your ass. Yeah, you have to. If nothing else, you got to do something creative. You have to do something unique uh, that that is at least somewhat difficult Matt to, to hire prepare Matt Canada. For. Who gives a shit? Sure. Like, yeah. But like just the, I think it is going to be somebody like Galesh or somebody off that tree, which I think I just, it's stupid. It's just a stupid, it's a stupid idea. I don't think it makes any sense to uh, do what everybody else is doing, which is what they're trying right now. And it's, it's just going to be a different version of this where, yeah, your ideas schematically might not be inherently bad i don't think that collins's defense like i said is inherently bad it's just you can't do it here you haven't georgia tech has not built up the goodwill to successfully build the talent needed to run systems like that you have to do something weird until you are winning games and they just it's like they didn't they forgot that step they they didn't they they assumed that because paul johnson had won games recruits would immediately think oh georgia tech that's a winning program i'll go play for for this different guy there that's running this new system it's like it doesn't work like that you have to do it as the coach you have to be the coach who had the success not the guy before you is people aren't going to listen to your shit if you haven't done it at the school that you're at 
Um, yeah. And I think that that's the the issue that they're bumping into. And I don't imagine that even in the next hire, I think he's going to get fired this year, as we've as we've discussed. But I don't think I have no hopes for the next hire. I think they're going to do the same thing. Yep. Um, you want to talk about the schedule? Yeah. So they start the season home against Clemson, uh, which is bad. Not not really how you want to do that. Uh, Western Carolina at home is a win. Ole Miss at home is a loss. At UCF, I think, is a loss. And at Pitt, I think, is a loss. Any issues with any of that? No, that's all correct. And yeah. then they're going to lose out after that. Yeah, and then they lose to Duke at home, and he gets fired before the bye week. Um, I think is I, I would imagine losing at home to Duke would be the final straw, I think, for sure. On homecoming, no less. Yeah, if the they win that game, then he probably... Maybe. No, I mean, like, you, then you just wait till the next game to fire him, right? But, like, yeah. maybe they do it after Pitt because they don't even want to, like, deal with the Duke game. But, like, sure. I guess the other, the other idea, too, is, like, what do you even gain out of, I don't know, like, if you're early on the fire, you're still, like, the sixth or seventh job in line for coaching hires this year. Like, you're not going to get anybody early because you're Georgia Tech. Coaches are going to wait to see the cycle play out. Yeah. Yeah, that is, yeah, that's the, that's the And thing. who's your interim, Andrew Thacker? Like, Who's our guy from? Uh, who's the uh, the the former high school guy who is at uh is at a high school uh, Ohio high school? He's at like Princeton or something in Ohio. Uh, oh, um, David Turner, uh, Daniels, uh, Mike Daniels, Mike Daniels. He should be the interim. It's time to. That's it's, funny. It's time to put a killer in charge. It's t- it's time to <laughs> it's time to let the freaks run the show. Um, oh yeah. Boy, this staff sucks. Boy, this staff is really shitty. <laughs> Jesus. I wonder where he's going to, he's going to be at his like ninth job in eight years or something next year. Yeah. Rocks. Man. He was barely at Princeton for a like, period of time. Yeah. yeah. No, you got to respect. That's a fun, fun branded guy. So anyway, out of the bye week with a different head coach, uh, Virginia at home is a loss at Florida state is a loss at Virginia tech is a loss. Miami at home is a loss at North Carolina is a loss. And then at Georgia in the season. I loss. think it'd be really funny if the interim beat North Carolina, which is a terrible football team. Sure. That would be funny. Um, so probably it won't happen, but it would be funny. Yeah. I, I'm going to say one in 11, right? Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's bad. It's really bad here. It's I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. All right, next up, who we got? We have the – we're now into Tier 2, by the way. Oh, I should mention there's only three tiers in the ACC, yep. which is real fun for us because we usually have like a five-tier situation. Uh, we're on to Tier 2 with Syracuse, where Dino Babers enters year seven. Uh, through his first six years, Man. he has – a 10 loss season, a 10 win season, and four seasons between four and eight and five and seven. It is a bizarre little program here, man. Yes. Um, yeah. He has some legitimately exciting pieces this year, right? He has like a definite NFL guy uh, in his backfield with uh, with Sean uh, Tucker. Um, they they added I don't a know. Uh, they added a really interesting halfback transfer too. Um, in I want to say it's Jawan Price who was at. Uh, New Mexico State. It was one of the New Mexicos. Let, okay. me, let me look real quick. Um, but between that and having Garrett Schrader at quarterback, they are just committing to running the fuck out of the ball, which yes. is not what anyone thought that Dino Babers was going to do at Syracuse. But he quickly <laughs> learned. He actually, like, by the way, I've given him some shit as a coach who's not going to work here, which I think is correct. But, like, uh, he at least is adapting to his circumstances and realizing, like, I, I know we're in a dome, we're supposed to be an Aaron football team, but it's not going to work. We cannot get the talent we need to do that. Yeah, Jawan Price, by the way, New Mexico State. Uh, he ran 135 times for 692 yards and 10 touchdowns last season. Very strange that he's here. Um, yeah, given, good backup Tucker. Yeah, I guess. given like, the Sean Tucker he's, he, he, standing. He, yeah, he's basically just like, 
he's like a fantasy football handcuff, but he's doing it to himself. You know how yes. like, people draft, like if you see a high volume running back, you're like, well, I'll draft his backup. He'll probably get hurt sooner or later. Yeah. And that's basically how Joan Price views the transfer report. He's looking for the most likely starting running back to get injured. Yeah. He's, uh, he's somehow, he's been playing college football for three years and he's only still a sophomore. So like he can take over for Sean Tucker in theory, but I would guess they're both going to play this year. Tucker more so obviously. Um, the rushing attack, I think, is going to be good. They bring back four starters on the offensive line. It was pretty good last year. Um, Tucker is, I think, a really good halfback in general. I have I have fairly high hopes for this this rushing attack. I think it's going to be pretty strong. Yeah, Tucker also, by the way, is a show favorite for us. We, re- yes. I, I think a lot of you guys probably weren't around for this because our listenership is like tripled or quadrupled since this episode. But yeah. early last season, we did realize that uh, – Alive on air that he looks just like ludicrous yeah uh which is awesome he posted almost 1800 scrimmage yards and over a dozen touchdowns last season at six and a half yards per touch which is like really impressive yeah uh he was the heart and soul of the team right he was one of the best players in the country as a redshirt freshman and i think he'll probably be all american this year if he gets the touches again and stays healthy yeah i think um, he was last year right wasn't he like a third team or a freshman all-american that's not, he's definitely a freshman All-American, I'm yeah. sure, but I, I think he's probably the actual All-American too. Yeah, um, he is also the guy. He, uh, if you if you are not privy to this, uh, he is also the guy who, after every game, like on Sunday, he'll get on Twitter and post a picture of himself from the game, and he'll say like the stats that he had, and then he'll say if he was satisfied or not satisfied with his performance in the game, <laughs> uh, which is just rules, dude. <laughs> dude. It's it's. Let me see if I can find one. It's just fucking. It's really good. Um, yeah, he posted a picture of himself from the NC State game, and he said, we lost Saturday, NC State 41, Syracuse 17. I'm pleased with my performance, but not happy with the outcome. With just 13 attempts for 105 yards and a touchdown, there was so much more I could have done. One more game, one more win. Hughes fans, let's pack the house this Saturday. I'm still in the fight. This is such a great way to post. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> where's he from? He's from Maryland. He played at Culvert Hall in Maryland. Uh, I love this guy, man. What a cool dude. Yeah. I wonder what his offers were in high school. We should, awesome. uh, we should look this up. See who he, who they got him over. Yeah. He's, um, he's awesome. I really, really like Sean really Tucker. Quick. He was ranked as the 58th running back in America, by the way. Nice job. Uh, Adam Friedland. Uh, yeah, come on, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, oh, he, they got him over, uh, Air Force, Kent State, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. Honestly, good scouting by Wisconsin find this kid in Maryland. I think yeah. they offered him late, if I recall correctly, after he was committed to Syracuse. Yeah, um, that's if you're if you are just some free game here for for every school in America. If there's a running back in your area uh, of the country who who late in the game gets a Wisconsin offer, you need to immediately go sign that kid because they have seen something there that you should take from them. Like if you're if unless you're, the guy is Nakia Watson. Yeah, unless it's Nakia <laughs> Watson or that fucking made up. Guy who was at Clemson. Um, I don't. I, I, <laughs> Chez, um, Chez Malusi. Chez Malusi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just an auto-generated guy. But if you're like Fresno <laughs> State and there's a kid in your backyard who gets a Wisconsin offer in December, you need to take like fifteen thousand dollars immediately to his house. You need to. Mm-hmm. You need to cut that off real quick. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, here's the bad news for Sean Tucker, who, by the way, he's a great player. He has had to fight for basically every yard he's gotten there. They do yeah. not have a very good line. They only bring back three starters in their line, which is decent. There are no receivers here. They lost their best one, Sean Ryan, to transfer to uh, West Virginia, I believe. Sure. Um, then they have Garrett Schrader, who's also a converted wide receiver, a Mississippi State transfer, who's not really much of a passer. So he's not going to get uh-huh. much relief here. They're going to face a lot of stack boxes this season. I'm sure he'll still do great because he's Sean Tucker, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, Garrett Trader barely completed 50% of his passes. Like, he I, is not a good quarterback. Honestly, I kind uh, of like Schrader's fit in this offense. I know that it's it's you know marginal because he's not going to throw a lot, but he's 6'4 and 230 pounds, so he can take a fucking hit, and that's really all he needs to do here, right? Like, this yeah. is the uh, – he's. do you remember the Eric Dungy offense? I'm sure you do, when they went, like, 10-2. Yes. Um, and yeah. pretty much his entire job was just to get hit, right? He just – held the ball, carried the ball like 20 times a game and took these huge shots. Uh, Garrett Schrader is big enough to handle that. And so they can run the offense that they that they were running with, with Dungy, where you really don't need to throw the ball all that much. You just need your quarterback to not get hurt. And I think he can do that. He's a big motherfucker. And that's that's it's, like the biggest thing you, that you need to be a quarterback in this offense, which is just amusing for me. I like it. It's kind of funny that all of the, all of the quarterbacks, uh, at least in the Power Five, maybe FBS, north of Pitt, all are like this too, by the way. You have yeah. like Noah Vidral at Rutgers, you have Garrett Schrader at Syracuse, uh, and you have who's a uh, Sean Clifford at Penn State, right? There's a bunch yeah. of guys who love to get hit, yeah, uh, and really can't throw the football. Oh, yeah, Phil, Phil, Jerk- <laughs> Phil Jerkovic, too. Same, same idea. Just oh, yeah, know. fuck, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, <laughs> man, that is. Uh, I guess Jerkovic's the best version of that. What is that? What's up with that? That's, that's an interesting strange. idea. We just. Something about northern football, dude. These guys just they all think they're the AFC North. Yeah, we stumbled into it. Yeah, I mean it's not a uh, it's not a bad way to be at one at some of these teams. There's some decent run designs up here. Syracuse has, I think, yeah. a, 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 I would I would say pretty standout run design in the way that they do things that they can still generate yards against loaded boxes. Um, on the other side of the ball, the defense was like actually pretty good last year. Surprisingly yeah. good. I don't think people really registered that like. It was, uh, let's see, scoring was not great, but everything else was top 30. They were top 30 in rushing yards per game, top 30 in passing yards per game, top 20 in total. Like, obviously, total yards is not a, not a huge deal, but they their defense was pretty good. It was, like, I think a lot better than people really register, really give it credit for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they also have some experience coming back, too. There, there are seven players in their back seven. It's not all distributed evenly to starters, but seven players in their back seven with serious starting experience coming back. Yeah. Um, their defensive line is going to be tough. That's going to be a real problem for them, and I think they might struggle to stop the run here. They run a three-three-five, and they lost their nose tackle, Curtis Harper, who yeah. transferred to Akron, uh, which is crazy. Let's he was go. still going to start, but he just yeah. picked for Akron instead. He is also a former McKeesport player, and uh, fuck McKeesport, as we all know. You guys may have heard me talk about this the show. Yeah. They were my high school's rival. Do not support McKeesport or any of their players. I hope they all – Khalid Hudson also from Michigan, also a McKeesport player. Yeah. Fuck all these guys. Don't like any of them. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention real quick, just because this is long running in the canon of the show, that you should do this. Tony White, the defensive coordinator here, is a Rocky Long guy, uh, 3-3-5 mm. Rocky Long guy. If you have the chance you are looking for a defensive coordinator, just hire a Rocky Long guy. It seems like they're yeah. all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh mississippi state did it houston did it and they, they're gonna have both have really good defenses this year yeah uh yeah. it it's just keeps working just a good idea. yeah i mean actual san diego state has as a what's the, the guy we talk about all the time kurt, kurt, uh, kurt maddox yeah who's yeah. also awesome yeah yeah i i uh just do that it seems like it's, it's super uh danny gonzalez at, at at new mexico uh obviously not working out great there yet but like he's a damn good defensive coordinator um yeah yeah just do that just hire from san diego state are you a are you a mid-level p5 team that's looking for a a rapidly improving defense just hire a 335 guy from rocky long like that's it's 
pretty much surefire thing that will work. The, the the line is definitely, like you said, going to cause issues here. They have, what is it, yeah. three new starters but, I mean, the good, thing, the good thing for them is no one else in this conference runs the football. They, yeah. they, all these teams just have like an 80-20 <laughs> passing running split. Yeah. So it's not a bad idea. Yeah, although if Pat Narduzzi has anything to say about it, that will be changing at Pitt this year. Oh, um, man, we'll, we got to talk about that when we, we get will, to Pitt. We will but, talk about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think this is a good team yeah. <laughs> league to be that team in. And they also have a pretty good non-con opponent for this too. Uh, they play Purdue non-conference. Let's, let's talk about their schedule really quick. Yeah. They start the season home against Louisville, which is tough. That's going to be a loss. Yeah. Um, but uh, then they go at UConn, which they'll win. They get Purdue at home. Am I crazy to think they win that game? I think they might win that game. I'm going to say I think they get one of Louisville or Purdue because I think both of those are fairly good matchups for them, right? Those Ooh, are, those I are... disagree on Louisville. I think Lee Cunningham's just going to run through them at will, basically. That is a possibility. But I, 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 the Louisville defense against any rushing attack is troubling. That's... It's yeah. not. It's and those not. There's gonna be ideal. some points scored. It's gonna be Sean Tucker versus Lee Cunningham, and whoever has the better days gonna win. That's gonna be a fun game. That's an underrated fun game in Week One. Like, Dude, people Louisville's watch schedule that, is actually. But... We're gonna get to them in a little bit, but yeah. they actually have a really fun schedule. I tweeted this yesterday, but they also have like the the classic. Like both of these teams are five are like four and one or five and zero oh in October, and this game's gonna look sick on oh, paper, yes. but it will not matter by the end of the year yeah. when they play Virginia. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's gonna be cool. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm gonna say they, okay, get, so they get. I'm gonna say they get one of Purdue or Louisville. I'm more confident. So they start in two Purdue, and one. But yeah. yeah, start two and one. Okay, start two and one. They get Virginia at home. Virginia is not gonna be that good. But they will. They will lose. I think Virginia wins this game. Um, Maybe it's another one of those where like Virginia's strength is sort of also Syracuse's strength defensively, right? Like I, I don't. You're certainly not gonna shut down that passing attack, but I don't think it's impossible to think that they could slow it down enough to win that game. I think Virginia is going to have a pretty it's damn good defense too. this year, though. Not like an elite defense or anything like that, but I think a lot better than what people are, are used to with Virginia. So I, I'm taking I'm taking Virginia. I think this is close. I think this is a close game. I'll give it to Virginia, but I think that this is a, another another pretty good one. Honestly, three compelling games in their first four uh, matchups on the schedule. Pretty yeah. good. I, look, I will not certainly not be picking this, but there is a world where if this team basically like has a better defense than we expect. Yeah. Uh, and they can find any sort of like help for Sean Tucker. Uh, they might start out five and zero, dude, with yeah. like three power five wins because they get Wagner uh, at home after this. Yeah. So I have them starting three and two going to the bye week. Yeah, I think that that's unfortunately that's fair. after the bye week things mm-hmm. get tough. Yeah, I hope they enjoyed the first five weeks because out of the bye week, it's NC State at home, at Clemson, Notre Dame at home, at Pitt are the next four. Um, yes. I don't imagine they're they gonna. Yeah, I don't imagine they're gonna have a win there. So we'd be talking about three and six then. Uh, yeah, Jesus. and I think Florida State's going to kick their ass. I actually kind of like this Florida State team a little bit. Yeah, I would say 3-7 and seven at Wake Forest, 3-8 and eight at Boston College. Man, what a bummer. This is going to be a much better team than 3-9. Than and nine. Um, They really have to, like, if they start out 5-0, and oh, man. that's their only scenario to, like, have. I mean, like, 5-0 and oh and finish 5-7 and seven is, like, realistic. They could maybe oh. catch Boston College if Dracovic's hurt by the last week of the season. I'm going to say that they're going 4-8. and eight. I don't know where the fourth one comes from. I think they get one of Boston College, Florida State, or Virginia, Pitt, yeah. or Virginia, maybe. But uh, man, that's a bummer because this is a much better team than four and eight. I think they're a, a plucky little fun team. It's they're like like last year's Illinois team, right? Like they're yeah. like a, a a tough little squad. It doesn't just have just doesn't get such matchups, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. What's next? Uh, next up, we have Virginia Tech. Here's what I have with these guys. I, I 
do like Brent Pye, Pry, by the way, Brent Pye. Brent, Brent Pye is his fat cousin. Uh-huh. Uh, I like Brent Pry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he's a good recruiter and a coach. I, I, I don't think I would have hired him if I were Virginia Tech, but I do think he's capable of getting them back to a competitive baseline yeah. of like eight wins per season. I just think he's never going to get hired. That. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of his ceiling. Yeah. Um, no, Ryan, I do need to ask you, are you worried at all about this being about your this football team being run by a grown man whose name is Brent. Is that worrying to you that there's a grown <laughs> well, man? Well, you're a Brent Brennan fan, dude. What are you talking about? Yeah, but it's different with him. He's from California. This is a Brent in in, <laughs> in Virginia. We're that we're talking about blue collar Langley, Virginia area here. You know, we're we're talking about the <laughs> most normal names of all time. <laughs> we're talking about there are no white guy names in the state of Virginia. Uh, there there are no you don't have any cadence you don't have any of that stuff this is a, a blue collar town and you just don't know if he's going to be you don't know if somebody named brent can be accepted by the entire community of uh, of virginia tech fans all of whom still work in the coal mines um he's gonna, gonna, he's gonna try to light. sign like three guys with mullets to like really bring back <laughs> the, the lunch pail mentality this year Man, uh, yeah, I like Brent Pry. I'm gonna echo that. I agree. I do think the ceiling is probably about eight and four, and I'm just I'm bummed out because this is one where like I don't hate the hire. Legitimately, I don't hate the hire, but like Jamie Chadwell would have done fucking awesome here. He would have done really, yeah, really well. And also, they're they're like maybe Nebraska in themselves too. Like yeah. where they are. You, look, you make one bad hire with Fuente, you can recover from that. But like you start getting to a point where like players only know you as the team that goes like seven and six for 10 years straight. Yeah. Uh, man, it's hard to come back from that. It's real hard to come back from that. Yeah. And, um, I, and I don't love the first time head coach stepping into this kind of situation, right? This no, is not like, this is a job. Some people would covet, right? Like they were yes. talking about getting Luke fickle at one point in time. Like, yeah. You now are stuck with getting Brent Pry. I don't know. Again, I like Brent Pry. He's also he follows me on Twitter. Not a big deal, but let's go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, he. Uh, I don't know. It's also not a great sign, by the way. That he did hire Urban Meyer's Jaguars tight ends coach as his OC. <laughs> you don't. You don't uh, love to see that. Oh, let's go. The Luke Farrell developer. You got to get him in. That's <laughs> that's awesome. Um. Also, not a great sign is that he brought in Grant Wells as a transfer to be his quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah, Grant Wells. There is, is some. <laughs> he's a. He's sort of a fun throwback, right? Where it's like he's one of those. He's a quarterback that doesn't really exist anymore, which is a guy who just throws a ton of interceptions, but does also throw for a ton of yards and touchdowns. It's like he's like uh, if if Brendan Armstrong was like. Uh, impaired. It, it, he was like he, was, he had like like impaired vision, right? It's it's like this is this is uh this is like 2080 vision, Brennan Armstrong, rather than 2040 or whatever he you know whatever he's working with. This is just like a much worse version of Brennan Armstrong. Yeah, Grant Wells would set the all-time passing records of the deaf and blind schools if he if he played. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he's he's like That's a very. Up, but I don't know. He's uh I don't know. He's not good. He's not good, right? Yeah, like, he's, a, he's a very 2005 uh, <laughs> quarterback where it's just like you're gonna get a lot of interceptions and incompletions with the good throws, and it's it's you might just have to deal with that. He's the kind of guy who will get run out of town by his fan base, <laughs> you know. Uh, and it's it's like this is a uh, this is the kind of guy that you'd see starting at Virginia Tech in in the 2000s where the NFL is just like the well, only no, kind of... Well, no, because in the 2000s, they recorded a bunch of guys who ran read option plays. Okay, like they just recruited is... guys who yeah, drew up which is... being Mike Vick. 
which is better than than this. But this yeah, is the kind better. of guy. Yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of guy that you would see in the ACC in the 2000s, where it's like every ACC team is recruiting six foot three guys who can't really throw the ball accurately or read a defense, but they look the part, right? And the NFL—that's the only <laughs> thing that the NFL wanted. It's like there's like 20 Ryan Lindleys in the conference at all times. This is that. Yeah, Brian Finley. Was it? Was, there was a. There was a. There was a. Lindley's Lindley a different guy with a different first name. I know who you're talking about, but it's not Ryan. Lindley, yeah, Ryan Lindley. Yeah, it was Ryan. Ryan oh. Lindley is the guy's name. He played at. Uh, well, he's all Ryan Finley's the same guy. He, he played for NC State. Sure. Yeah, they're the same guy. Ryan Lindley played at San Diego State, but I remember him in the NFL as being not good. Um, you were thinking of Ryan Finley, though. Maybe I did read your brain, even if you even if you did accidentally say a football player's name. You were thinking of Ryan I was Lindley. thinking of the guys who got drafted ahead of Troy Smith in 2007. I don't know who all that was, but they're all the same exact guy, and this is who they have at quarterback this year. They have every guy who yeah. was drafted ahead of Troy Smith in 2007. I, I guess the good news, though, if you're a fan of Virginia Tech, is that they're, they did hire Joe Rudolph as their offensive line coach after I like he him. Like, left Wisconsin because he hates Paul Christ. Yeah. Um, he has two 60-year starters back and two younger linemen who started in spot duty as freshmen last year, so good, a good, like, depth youth bridge um, with four returning starters. That's that's that could be pretty good. Um, I don't know. I think they're basically trying to do what they did at Penn State with Trace McSorley, where it's just like run the ball on four or five yard chunks and then chuck it deep to large receivers. Yeah, Grant Wells has Uh, a good arm. He can throw the ball down the field. He's just not accurate. He's he's not like short yardage (laughs) stuff causes him a lot of problems because he doesn't read the defense very well. Their passing chart's going to be like red in the first six zones, and then like twenty yards plus is going to be green somehow. Yeah, uh, do they which have the, really fun? Do they have the receivers to handle that? I feel like they don't. <laughs> it seems like they don't really. No, have they have some big receivers. I wouldn't call them good, unfortunately. Yeah, like Jaden Blue, I think is okay. Um, Caleb Smith is is returning, but like not really, not really good. They lost the uh, they lost their good receiver, didn't they? Yeah, what's his, yeah? I know who you're talking about. I. I I really didn't think to I just saw the names that were received this year and I was like, I don't want to think about these guys. I'm just going to not write them down. Sure. Uh, when I was doing my research for the preview. Yeah, let me real- <laughs> yeah, I'm not expecting much out of the offense. On the other side, the defense, though, all eight of uh, Brent Pry's uh, units at Penn State when he was the DC ranked top 25 in yards per play during his time. Yeah. Uh, which he's, is a, he's a really good defensive, he's a good defensive coordinator. I like his defense. I think that the defense here is going to improve. Um, yeah. And But the issue is, I don't know that the offense is going to at quite the same level. Right. I really like the Joe Rudolph hire, like you mentioned. I really, really like that, ideologically speaking, the pairing with Pry. But I don't know. It's going to take a while, I think, to for that to, to set in. And even then, I don't know how much talent you can really get to that sort of system. I think you can do it. Well, one thing I'm concerned about with the defense, by the way, though, is that Brent Pry basically relied on a lot of creating pressure with the front four at Penn yeah. State. He always had good defensive lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, he only has like four guys with any kind of experience in the two deep on the D-line. And it's going to be tough. I don't know, man. Like their linebackers and secondary are really good, from what I can tell. But like, yeah, you need that front four in his in his defense. You need that front four to create pressure. And we'll see, man. We'll see. I hope he can get it. I think it'll be a good unit because it's Brent Pride. But like, I don't think it's going to be as good as Penn State early Penn State teams. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't do more in the portal, bringing in defensive linemen because there were some decent guys on the board. There was a guy from Miami who ended up at Kansas, Miami, uh, Ohio, who ended up at Kansas. Yeah. Who I think would have been the two North Texas uh, brothers. Uh, yeah, the uh, North Texas brothers. Lonnie Phelps is the is the guy I was thinking of at, at Kansas. But like, there were Lonnie Phelps was a receiver at Western Michigan, wasn't he? Isn't there somebody? The guy from Miami was different. I thought uh, maybe you're probably right. I don't know why I'm trying to argue with you on Mac football. Let's see. 
Uh, yeah, it was Lonnie Phelps. Um, okay. I don't know who the Western Michigan receiver was. Uh, but there were guys like that. There was guys like Jackson Player at Tulsa would have been interesting. Oh, yeah. Ended up at Baylor, I want to say. Baylor? Yeah, it was Baylor, which is nasty. Um, mm. Like, I don't know why you're not going and getting one of those guys saying immediate playing time in a defense that is really good for defensive linemen. It seems like sort of a, a whiff here to go with the guys that they're trotting out are like Taiwan Garbett and, and Norell Pollard. And it's like, I did think Garbett was going to be good as a recruit too, by the way. I, I missed on that one. Yeah. And it's like, I just, they're just not very interesting. Nebraska transfer. Uh, what is it? Feldarius Payne is here, I think as well, but like, mm. he's not any good. He's not like, a, he's not like yeah. a good player. He's just, people know his name name um so yeah i think the defense is like i think it's going to be pretty decent on the back end i like nasir peoples i think chamari connor is okay dorian strong is okay um linebackers should be pretty good like you said but I, they're just going to have issues doing the uh, schematic thing that brent pry has built his career around I and mean, that's you know troublesome i agree i agree uh again you just got to hope that maybe like they can they're willing to blitz a little more because their secondary is more experienced like i guess that's somewhat of a hope yeah um but that's pretty much all they have going for them i don't uh i don't see a ton of upside here i don't know man um they're they might be a decent team though i hmm. i think the f- i guess we'll see i think the floor is is not super low right they have enough talent offensively i think in general on the defense that they're not going to be like awful but i i they are devoid of top-end talent that would make me think they could win any big-time games this season. They, they start the year, uh, to look at the schedule, they start the year at Old Dominion, which is very strange. Um, yeah, that's, that's a win, though. It's a win. It's not a walk in the park, uh, but it is a win. Uh, Boston yeah. College at home and Wofford at home, I think... Man. Could they start 3-0? I don't know what to think about this Boston College team. I think Boston College at least has a few players you can identify as like difference makers. Like yeah. And and Phil, Phil Dracovic will be healthy in that game. He's not like good, but he is better than Grant Wells. So, man, that's really funny. That's a night game, by the way. That's awesome. Yeah, let's say that they get. Man, I don't know. Home night game, home night game for Virginia Tech. Like home you know, Phil Dracovic's not going to read a defense. Brent probably gets any pressure on him. Yeah, if this thing's over. But sure. Zay Flowers yeah. also is going to bust. I, I don't know. Zay Flowers might bust him up. Uh, yeah. Boston College can't run the football. Uh, let me. I'll, I'll take. Uh, I'll let's, take Virginia Tech. Yeah, here. let's do it. So three and zero to start because they get Wofford at home next, uh, and then West Virginia at home, which I just I love. Love this, this game. This is Thursday kind of night. Good, I love that they're playing that game, but yeah. also a Thursday night game, short week. Uh, here's the thing. I think, West Virginia only has offense, and uh, Virginia Tech only has defense. Yeah, so just gonna be a really bad game. I think West Virginia is gonna be kind of bad this year. I, I yeah, so do I. So, so do I. I, I think Virginia Tech is gonna win this one. Uh, yeah, air raid, air raid offense. How about this? How about we say they get one of West Virginia or Boston College? I don't think they. Yeah, get that was what I was gonna. That I was gonna suggest that earlier. I think that's fair. So three and one, and then at North Carolina, at Pitt, and Miami at home before a bye week. Tell you what, North Carolina is pretty shitty. North I think they, Carolina is a pretty shitty I think football they're team. Get, we'll talk about them in a couple seconds. Yeah, but. I think they're going to get one of those. I think it's probably going to be North Carolina. So we're we're saying what is that four and three then, going into the bye week. Yeah, again, this is another team where like they can only stop the pass, but that's the, all the teams in their schedule can only pass. So this is like going to help them out. Yeah. Um, out of the four bye- and three, and yeah, oh, they might they might make a fucking bowl game this year. I don't know. I'm kind of high on these guys. Out of the bye week, they get uh, they go to NC State, which is a loss. loss. Four and four, they get Georgia Tech at home. Five and four at Duke. Uh, six and four, right? Um, at Liberty, 
probably seven and four, breaking in a new yeah. quarterback, and then Virginia at home to end the season. Fuck, is this an eight and four team? No, I don't think they're going to be. They're going to lose. They to me feel like they somehow managed to end up six and six, despite a situation they should go eight and four. I'm going to say seven and five. I'm going to split the difference and say seven and five. I don't know where that fifth loss comes from, but it comes from somewhere. It's 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 yeah. like one of the uh, you know the 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 kind of hinged games. The Boston College, West Virginia, North Carolina. They end up dropping. Uh, two of those instead of one or something like that. They lose to Liberty. They lose to Virginia. Something like that. Um, to yeah. Get to, to get. But to seven and five, honestly, not a bad first season. Like if you're Brent Pry, that's something you can build off of. Um, yeah, totally fine. I, I have no issues with that. If you're if you're Brent Pry, I think that you can you can recruit off of that and, and no problem with that. All right, time to cook. Let me let me get in my bag here now, Patrick. Yeah. It's time to talk about Boston College. <laughs> Jeff Halfley's a fucking bomb yeah he is one in seven against teams the winning record as a head coach his only win is a one point overtime home winning it's a six and five pit squad his fourth game of his tenure a team that was hurt with other quarterback he lost six consecutive games against teams that finished their season with a winning record again one in seven six consecutive losses cannot beat any decent team cannot do it simply constitutionally incapable of doing so yeah they just don't do anything that that would yield wins like that you know like the right the defense schematically is built for a powerhouse it's built for a defense that has supreme talent and can just sort of get out of the way um and so it is consistently overmatched against teams that have more talent and it has no real recourse for making up with that because it can't the def- this defensive structure can't do that it is not built like that this almost is almost every team they play is more talented than them too which is yeah <laughs> yeah and so it's like if you're not if you're not recruiting and developing defenders at an extremely high level, which they aren't, I think that their development hasn't been bad, but they don't have like superstars on this defense, then you're fucked. You can't keep up with, with Clemson's. You can't keep up with, with like Pitt last year. You can't, you just can't sustain it. You're not good enough to do it. And the offense certainly doesn't do anything interesting. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, look at their OC now. They hired in John McNulty, who's only ever been an OC at Rutgers. All of his OC stints are at Rutgers. First for Greg Schiano, now for Chris Ash. His only job as an OC in the last 15 years is coordinating the Chris Re- Chris Ash Rutgers team. Man. That is not a good sign. Uh, that is not the guy you want. Um, you have Phil Jakovic, who's thrown nine picks and just 450 attempts for Boston College, which is a sky-high number. Yeah. He's completed fewer than 60% of his passes in his time for the Eagles on the net. He just can't complete short throws and just chucks it deep to Zay Flowers and Jalen Gill all the time. Yeah. Um, both of those guys are really good at reeling and contested deep balls despite not having a size advantage, which is – Trust me, once these guys are gone after this year, that's not sustainable. I yes. do not think that's going to be a good thing for him. Yeah. Um, the Athletic had, had an article where they said Dracovic was inaccurate on 21.8% of his pass attempts under 15 yards in depth, uh, 15 yards in depth, which is by far last in the country. Yeah. Only one other, sorry, no other quarterback was worse than 16%. Uh, well, his fucking, he is like his, by levels of magnitude worse than the rest of the country. His his throwing motion's all fucked up. Like it's fucked up in a way that seriously impacts his actual throws. He doesn't he doesn't throw the right way. It's like, yeah, he throws it too overhand. It's yeah. like it's a really weird situation, which is weird because his uh, former high school head coach, who I like, Eric Sparrowicks, was a college quarterback coach in the past. Yeah, like that's that is strange. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I don't get it. And like he just puts out uh, like college quarterbacks every year basically where he's at Um, it's so strange that this is only uh, tangentially related to boston college because you mentioned the offensive coordinator it's so weird that the northeast uh at the p5 level syracuse not really withstanding but but like boston college has this issue rutgers has had this issue for years even at the g5 level uconn umass have had these these problems where 
they keep hiring the same fucking offensive coordinators over and over again. They just keep trading Crazy. these. Because they like, want Northeast guys. Yeah, they Why? keep they you don't keep, get your players to the Northeast. Yeah, they keep like trading these Italian guys back and forth and back and forth. And it's always the same guys. Maryland has the, been involved with this too. The classic Italian last name, John McNulty. No, but you you know who I'm talking about. The guy who was at uh who is who's at Nunzio Campanile. Yeah, and and uh Frank Signetti Jr. and guys like that yeah, who've just yeah. been around here forever. I think he's at Pitt now. Pitt is involved in this too. Pitt loves Yeah, Pitt got him from Boston. College, yeah, Pitt, right? and yeah. then Mark Whipple before that, not like Italian, but he is from the Northeast. He is one of those shitty Northeast guys. And it's so strange because think about like some of the better offenses, co- offensive coaches in football right now and where they came from. It's, you know, like New Hampshire. Chip Kelly was at New Hampshire. Ryan Day, we don't like as a as a man or a head coach, but his offense is influential. He was at New Hampshire. Um, Joe Moorhead. Joe, Joe Moorhead. Think about the Ivy League. The, those Ivy League offenses have been extremely productive in the last decade. And it's just like none of these teams ever bring those guys up. And it's really strange. One of the only times that somebody did it was uh, Sean Gleason at, at Rutgers, which I think was a great hire. Uh, by Shiano, and then they didn't hold on to him. He went to uh, he went to Oklahoma State. But like, why not keep doing? Just stop that? hiring Italians, dude. <laughs> Just there's no work for Italians anymore in FIFA. We've had enough of it. It's it's done. Yeah. Um, oh, is he back at? He's back at Rutgers. Okay. Well, good for Sean Gleason. He is he is at Rutgers again. I guess he was at. Uh, that's right. Oklahoma State hired him from Princeton originally, and then Rutgers hired him. I think that's a good hire. But like, do more of that. Bring in guys from that from that level. Bring in products of the Princeton tree, of the Dartmouth tree, of of any of these offenses that are even like even Jim Tressel and Mark D'Antonio did this. Guys who both are from Youngstown, right? Which is like just uh, Youngstown is in Ohio technically, but is functionally the Northeast. It's just like you know a Pittsburgh suburb. Yeah, like it's just it it happened like those guys did it too like they just all like cycled the same coaches back and forth between them like it just had like and narduzzi's a d'antonio guy of course like it just it spreads everywhere yeah there's Uh, a you can't get rid of it there's a balance in these jobs that is it seems like it's really hard for these coaches to handle where they want to have this northeast influence on their on their staff right um but they also like I think some of them probably realized that there aren't really very many good Northeast coaches. It's just, it's not a great tree. And so you have these shitty staffs that can't, like, why are you hiring these guys to recruit this area that doesn't have any recruits? It doesn't, it doesn't really make any sense. And it, it, it creates this, uh, this stagnation where like, yeah, Boston college is going to do the same thing that it has offensively because they don't have any new ideas. It's the same offense. It's, yep. They really only have the one idea and it's, it's sort of this blah, you know, spread ish, lots of screens, boring shit. It's, it ain't working. It's, it's not it's working. Like the default uh, offense. Here's the thing. They have Phil Dracovic. Some people like him. We don't, yeah. uh, I don't think he's good. I saw him in high school, great high school quarterback. I saw him in person like three times in high school. Really good high school quarterback. Nothing in college, of course. Yeah. Uh, their skill core is good with Patrick Garwell back at running back. He's a thousand yard rusher. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Zay Flowers and Jalen Gill. Here's the downside and why they're going to suck on offense. Uh, beside their play caller mm-hmm. is that they have only. I'm oh, sorry. They have no offensive linemen with more than two career starts. Yeah. The entire unit combined has five starts between them. Man. Um, yeah. They got a freshman center and Drew Kendall. Um, Christian Mahogany is like I think the most experienced of the bunch, but he's not good or experienced. He's just <laughs> sort Correct. of the There's just yeah, it's a guy. whole line made up of spare parts. It's not going to yeah. work. And then their defense, they don't get after the passer at all. They ranked 88th in quarterback pressures last year, which in a league where everyone throws, you have to be able to get after the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you want to know how Jeff Halfley generated pressure at Ohio State? He had Chase Young. That's it. 
Yeah. That's that's the entire I really do think that Jeff Hathaway is a Mickey Mouse coordinator who basically <laughs> just got credit for having Chase Young and Jeff Okuda. Well he stayed out of the uh, way. He stayed out of the way, which is and he had an understanding of what he was doing and staying out of the way, which I think would work at a lot of schools like Ohio State. Um but like it's not gonna work here. It doesn't he doesn't have a thing to add to that. He runs cover three and cover one and occasionally he has a one man pressure on top of the four guys up front. And that's it. He can't generate pressure without a talent advantage and he doesn't have one. It's 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 very simple. <laughs> it's really, it doesn't need to be made as complicated as some people make it. They're like, why isn't the Jeff Halfley stuff working? It's like, well, because he doesn't run a system that would work at this level. It's just, it doesn't work without supreme talent. Yeah, well, I mean, that. don't worry. He'll be back at Ohio State in a couple of years. I mean, whenever Jeff, Jim Knowles moves on to a head coaching job and, yeah. uh, you know, Ryan Day needs to bring back another Mickey Mouse coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and he fails here, but whatever. Um, they... Keep getting called a creative defense. They just all have bad players playing assignment football who keep things in front of them but can't end drives. They yeah. can't tackle really. Yeah, it's not creative. Um, <laughs> it's 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 like the d. It's like baseline shit. Just cover three, cover one. Occasional occasional blitzes with creeper pressures snuck in there once or twice a game. It's fucking nothing. They're not doing anything interesting here. Yeah, like they give basically. I think other players like read media reports. It's like, damn, they give a bunch of different looks, and then they're like looking deep. It's like, yeah, they do, and it's like, no, they don't. They don't. No, do they don't. Yeah, it's the same stuff. But, it's just like maybe a little bit disguised, but not really. It's usually just single high with cover three or cover one. It's it's pretty much what they do. Here's their schedule. Uh, they start off the season home against Rutgers. They will win that game, I think, just because Rutgers can only run the football and they can't run it well enough to do anything. Yeah. Um, they go out Virginia Tech, which we had them losing. That's one and one. They get Maine at home, the two and one. Out Florida State is a loss. That's two and two. Uh, Louisville at home is a loss. That's two and three. Clemson at home is a loss. That's two and four. Bye week at Wake. That's a loss. Two and five. At UConn's a win. Three and five. Duke at home is a win. Four and five. At NC State at Notre Dame, both losses. Four and seven. Syracuse at home. Maybe they win. I don't know. Five and seven, four and eight, five and seven, something like that. What do you have? Yeah. Do you have any disagreements? No, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, Did we we'll, give Syracuse the win or them? I don't remember. We'll say five and seven, and it doesn't matter how they get to the five. Um, that's right. It's, uh, that's, that's correct. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's <laughs> just there's just not a whole lot going on here. They're not going to beat any good teams. Um, you shouldn't really pay them any mind. I don't think they're not worth thinking about. I uh, I want to speed through this North Carolina preview because I'm just I do not I like hate, this program. I hate really. these they're, they're really guys. bore the shit out of me. I'm, I'm sick of these guys. <laughs> um, all right, Mac Brown is the head coach here. He mm-hmm. can recruit, but there's no reason to believe he can coach football anymore. Yeah. He signed three consensus top 15 recruiting classes in a row, but has a 21 and 17 record after three years by having all that talent in a pretty untalented league with an NFL quarterback. Yeah, is he really going to stick this out that much longer? Do you think? I I I mean, I hope not. I I don't think he should. Yeah, it's it's like yeah. he he is recruiting his ass off, but to what end? <laughs> what is the yeah, what is the reason? Why? It, right? like, yeah, why are you doing has, this? Phil Luongo as his OC, who's just boring and shitty. He has a quarterback controversy to work through. Yeah. Uh, people are saying he's going to do a two quarterback system because he's done that like three times before in his career. Uh, he has sophomore Jacoby Criswell and redshirt freshman Drake May, who is like a really hyped recruit. Yeah. Um, Jacoby Criswell was also a Gatorade player of the year in Arkansas as a high school recruit, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a good offensive line unit last year by several metrics. They got to maintain that. Uh, they have a new coach, the unit, several new faces. They only have uh, one returning player with a full year of starting experience, but they actually have a dozen that have started in batches, which is kind of interesting. I'm um, Real quick, I'm going to disagree with the offensive line comment. I think their offensive line was extremely bad last year. 
on the if you like according to the advanced offensive line stats you know like uh yards before contact for rushers and pressures allowed they were pretty solid i, I but... think in in run blocking it was certainly better than it was in pass blocking but in pass blocking it was incredibly shitty like they could not keep yeah. sam howell upright in an offense that still likes to get the ball out pretty quickly it it just it was bad yeah, it was enough. it was bad they do have two good receivers this year with josh Downs and antoine greenback honestly one of the best one two punches in the country but yeah the running backs suck i think they're taking a significant step back which is not good. Not because good because they yeah they went the six defensive... and seven last year. <laughs> what did you say? They went six and seven last year, so probably not good to uh, to take a step back from six and seven. Yeah, and guess who's the defensive coordinator here, Patrick? You know? Uh, is it G? Is it Gene Chizik still? It's Gene Chizik. Let's it's not go. still. He's coaching for the first time in five seasons. Oh man, uh, I had just thought last that time he, he was... coached was 2017, also on a really bad North Carolina defense. Yeah, I thought he was just around the program, but I guess I had filled that in. Um, yeah, I think he's an anal- he was an analyst or something. But that yeah, right. his last time he coached again was t- uh, 2017. Skipped five seasons and that unit finished 105th in scoring defense. Yeah. No, sorry, this North Carolina defense finished 105th in scoring defense last year. His defense has finished like 96 his last season. Yeah. Um, and here's a quote he gave. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read this to you and see how you feel about this. Okay. Offenses are too complicated and they give you too many looks, Chizik said. And the only way you can get really good at looks is by playing them from the same position over and over and over again to the best of our ability. Gene, Gene, <laughs> just retire, man. <laughs> <laughs> his game plan is just to like, He's like, yeah, well, I think we'll just keep lining up the same way and see if they can show us anything new. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like, uh, we, we just have to keep doing what we have been doing, and we have to continue doing it. And to uh, do it, we have to do it. And that's going to be the tree, The key for us is doing it. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? He's, <laughs> this is the Zan- He has, like, several five-stars in the lineup, too. And, like, uh, like blue chips all up to duty. Because, again, they recruit really well. None of it's going to matter. This is the zanned out defensive coordinator. We love that for him. <laughs> but like he's just coaching on vibes. Dude, the idea that the answer to modern offenses is to run the same shit over and over again. Because that's what he's saying, right? Is that like we're gonna have a base defense and stick really hard to it so that guys can get experienced out of that and they know how to handle certain situations from that look. But like that's not how you do it at all. <laughs> Right, right. He's trying to do the Kerry Combs philosophy, which is like, well, we're more talented than everybody. We'll just line up the same way and beat them. Which I can tell you, if it didn't work at Ohio State with their team, it's not going to work at North Carolina. I promise you that. Yeah, like, I like Tony Grimes. I like Storm Duck. I think that, like, there's talent here. Certainly the recruiting, like we said, has been pretty good. Miles Murphy is good. Uh, But, like... You can't they have do a five star freshman DT. Yeah. You yeah. can't fucking do that. You can't do that. It doesn't work. <laughs> you have and like to... and guess what? Like Kerry Combs is in the Big Ten because he's like, well, there's like two other teams in the conference that could pass. They're not going to do anything creative. Yeah. That's not true in the ACC. There are a lot of coordinators yeah. who will just fucking beat your ass yeah. if you let them. And like the way to fuck with offenses like this to you know we'll say like uh, let's see here. Wake Forest, Virginia. Miami's offense with the new coordinator. Wake Forest, Virginia, NC State, fucking Pitt. These teams, the way to mess with their quarterback is to, the way to stop their passing attack or slow it down is to mess with their quarterback's rhythm. It's to change the pre-snap picture to, you know, disguise things and move guys around into positions that he's not used to reading. So that you are college quarterbacks. Yeah, Yeah. you're (laughs) changing the read and gumming up the works in the backfield where he's not able to... Uh, so effectively use these RPOs to put your defenders in conflict because he doesn't know where they are. He's not used to them being where they are. Uh, you have the talent, I think, to do this. They have. Why would you bring in all these dynamic recruits, these versatile defenders, and then 
not use them like that. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Very stupid. Just bird-brained idea for what you should do defensively in the modern game. It's uh, We're just going to run man every play and hope that our cornerbacks are good enough to keep up. It's like, they're not. <laughs> They're not. They're not. Nobody's are. It's college football. Your cornerbacks can't fucking do that. They can't handle that. It's too much to ask. Stupid. Let's run through their schedule. This is an embarrassing program. Um, Florida A&M at home is a win at App State. I think, and you said App State takes a small step back this year, but I think they might lose this game. Yeah, they're going to lose that game. Yeah. 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 That's one and one at Georgia State. They'll win that game. Yeah. They get a bye week as they play in week zero, by the way. I'm going to say real quick, uh, they're, I will say they're going to lose to one of App State or Georgia State. Um, they might lose to both of them because I think Georgia State is also going to be pretty good and has a really good passing attack. But these are the exact kind of offenses I was just talking about, where like you do have to do you have to do something uh, kind of unique against these guys. Both of these teams have veteran quarterbacks. Um, App State has these... some new wide receivers to break in, but like these are the exact offenses that you cannot run base against. It doesn't work. But but here's what I'll say: I I, don't, I normally agree, but the fact that North Carolina's talent is a lot of it's concentrated on the defensive line is I think they could overwhelm this team with just like line talent. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just just defensive linemen just beating blocks basically against sure. the smaller O linemen you have at the G five level, which is why. App State's recruits a lot better than Georgia State does, which is why I would take yeah. them to. I'm, I'm going to say that they drop one. I think I'm more confident. Like I was saying earlier with the uh, the the pit and something else split, I'm more confident in App State being the team that beats them, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that they drop one of those games for sure. Okay. So we'll have them two and one going into their first bye week. Yeah. Then they get uh, Notre Dame at home. They will lose that game two and two. Mm-hmm. Virginia Tech at home at Miami at Duke. They probably go one and two in that stretch. They lose Miami, Virginia Tech, beat Duke. Um, yeah. Yeah. That seems about right. Yeah. Do we have? Yeah, we have Virginia. Okay. Yeah, that's whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, three so, and uh, three and four. Three and after that four. stretch, yeah, you have three, three, and, four. three and four. Then a bye week. Second bye week. Uh, the classic then they second get, bye uh, week. Bye week two. Yeah. yeah then they get uh, Pitt at home at Virginia at Wake. Zero oh, and three. Yeah. So that's three and seven. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah. Or, yeah, three and seven. Yeah, yep. three and seven. Uh, then they get Georgia Tech, which they will hey. win four and seven. NC State at home at the loss. Four and eight football team. Four and eight. Mac retired. Just fire retired, him. dude. Fire and bring in somebody else who can work with this talent real quick before it drops. That's uh, you could you could have a really good season next year if you go out and hire a, a good schematic coach. Um, and then I don't know what you're going to do after that, but next year could be really good. But it's yeah. not it's not going to be good under this form. This is not going to work. This is yeah. This, like keep Dre Bly around if you can do that. Keep Dre Bly and a couple other coaches around. Keep recruiting. You'll be fine. Yep. All right. Um, next up. All right, Virginia. Um, look, there are a lot of criticisms to be had of Dabo's Clemson program. I do not argue that. I'm, I do many of them. Uh, but I don't think a lot of them lie at the feet of Tony Elliott. I, I agree he's not a creative play caller, yeah. but he was a standout recruiter and developer, lots of talent for a program that went 89 and 9 when he was there. He coached every position on, on the offensive for points in time. He knows how to develop players individually. He takes over a program in a talent rich state in a conference he can be competitive while his primary and state rival is down. There are worse situations for head first year head coach. Yeah, I think he picked his spot pretty well here, all things considered. Uh, I think it could be worse. Yeah, it could. It's it could certainly be worse. He could be a Duke. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I, my issue with Tony, uh, my issue with Tony Elliott is largely the the note about not being a very creative play caller. His offense just isn't unique in any way. It's it's. Uh, very much another one of those. This is a theme in this conference is teams trying to punch above their weight talent-wise with, with their scheme, right? Trying to run schemes for much more talented teams than they are. I fear that is the thing that I'm worried about with Elliott is that like 
he really likes to throw the ball down the field to big, talented receivers with big, talented quarterbacks, and they really like to sort of flex their talent. And Virginia this year will have some of that, but in the future is not going to have that to this extent, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I'm on the fence about Virginia. Like, the, the things that, that are really concerning to me is that their offensive line is just so brand new. Oh, yes. And they kind of rely on a, on a pretty deep passing game. Like, I mean, that's where Brandon Armstrong thrives, right? It's like he's not a big quarterback, but he can throw it deep. Um, he's a fifth-year starter. Uh, he has been tremendous. I mean, a tremendous career so far. He threw for over 4,400 yards last season while completing 65% of his attempts at a sub-2% interception rate. That is rare air. Yeah. Guys do not really do that at the college level. Um he has Dontavious Wicks, a receiver's legitimate All-American candidate, with yeah. uh, uh, KT Thompson and Billy Kemp also back. Yeah. Those guys combined for over 3,000 yards between them last a, year. It's a scrimmage. good receiving core. Lavelle Davis is here as well. The, uh, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Keaton Thompson's pretty good. Dontavian, uh, yeah, Dontavian Wicks is like an All-American caliber guy. Um, this yeah. is a really good receiving core. I think one of the better ones in the, uh, in the, the country. Yeah, but again, the top six linemen from last fall are gone. Yeah, uh, four yeah. of them transferred. Which I, that is a bad sign. Yeah, they've got uh, they, they've got a guy here starting projected starting at left tackle is a transfer from Dartmouth whose name is John Paul Flores. I'm going to move that we change his name to Jake Paul Flores, uh, and he can represent <laughs> our two favorite content creators, Jake Paul and Jake Flores. Uh, so we're gonna go with uh, we're gonna go with, with we're gonna go with Jake Paul Flores is his uh, is his new name. Um, well, they do. I, I, they, I think that's the word was they're going to move him inside to guard, right? Because they have Jonathan Leach and Logan Taylor at tackle. I thought uh, that might be the case. I'm not. You might. You, you'd be surprised. I know. I'm not super up on Virginia's <laughs> offensive line depth chart at this point. Yeah, dude. Just don't let it happen again. Just, sure. just stay on your toes next yeah, time. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, it happens to the best of us. The defense here. One of the things I'm encouraged about is I do think, from attention to detail perspective, this was a really good defensive coordinator hire. Yeah. Bringing in John Rodzinski from Air Force. Um, yes, his unit was ranked fifth in yards per game and top 35 in yards per play in 2021. Uh, unfortunately, it is a unit that stops the run really well. But, I mean, maybe not the perfect fit for the ACC, but it's better. I mean, it's, it could be worse, right? I assume he can yeah. adapt, right? He adapts to pretty tough circumstances at Air Force. I assume he can do something here. Maybe uh, not the perfect fit for this personnel either, because Jameer Carter is like the only defensive lineman that I really trust here. And even in the front seven in general, like Nick Jackson's back at inside linebacker, but there's a lot of, uh, a lot of new Well, they brought in here. four transfers to D-line, right? And they, they did bring yeah. in some talent here that I think is, is kind of exciting. But Nick yeah. Jackson is really good. You bring him up. He's, yeah. He was all ACC. Yeah, Nick Jackson is, I like him a lot. Nick Jackson is good. It, it's just... Uh, the secondary? Uh, <sighs> only one starter back with their corner, Anthony Johnson. I mean, like, look, this is a team that's just willing to play in shootouts all year. They know it. Like, that's what they're doing. They're going to throw the football almost every down. They're going to – they're going to be in shootouts every week of the season. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I like John Rodzinski. I I I, uh, I totally agree with that shout. I think that he is good. It's just like. I think the defense is probably going to have some growing pains this year because of the uh, the the number of new faces and the guys that they return being like Anthony Johnson. I don't think is that good. I think he's like he's like okay, uh, former Louisville transfer, but I don't yeah. I don't love him. I think he's just like kind of an okay cornerback. In and- fact, I really almost never like a football player named Anthony. 
Yeah, that's yeah. It's just not a good. It's not a football name. It doesn't. It makes me think that you're not taking it seriously when you're named Anthony. I kind of agree with that. Actually, I can really barely think of any Anthony's that are good football. Yeah, I'll mention Cam Butler, who's transferring in. He's good. He he will be good at, at, at outside linebacker. But um, yeah, I think that Rodzinski's probably going to run into some some growing pains here through no real fault of his own. I think that his scheme can work at this level, but there's just they lose a lot. They lose a lot of guys. Like most of their best defenders from last year are all gone. But if he's a top 40 or 50 defense and they adapt the passing game to be a little bit shorter with the outline kind of newness, that's a top. That's four, a, this, this is a bull game, a bull team. Top 50 is a lot. They were 104th in scoring defense last year. <laughs> they were, uh, they were, but I mean, his units at Air Force were all good. I just, I'm, I'm kind of assuming that. Oh, man, that's a it, big. At this level, like with the ACC being as flat as it is talent level. Like, it's just coaching, a lot of it. It's just coaching. Yeah, I, I think they could get top 70, but top 50 is a lot with these guys. I don't know about that. That's, that's we'll a see. lot to we'll ask. We'll see. Um, um, the schedule? The schedule. Yeah, start the season. Richmond, uh, Richmond at home is a win. Uh, at Illinois is an interesting fun game. game. That's, a, that's fun, a fun game. That's a fun game, yeah. Uh, for freaks like us. For, the, the and it's fans a, will not watch this game. You no, and I will be. But it's also a 4 p.m. Eastern time kick, which is just a good time to put a game like that because it's sort of in that, that lull where like the 3.30 games are kind of getting started, but there might not be anything good there. Uh, and then once they end, there's, you're still going to have about 30, 45 minutes of this game. You'll get to watch pretty much the entire fourth quarter. Um, that's a good – I like that. I like that kick. I think Virginia wins this game, but I don't feel really good about my pick. Man, I don't know. I basically don't think Illinois has the defensive linemen to harass the O-line here. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's gonna be the key with, with this team is that it has so many so many new faces up front. They, although they do have a, they have that two defensive tackles back, right? Which yeah. are pretty good inside pressure. I, I don't know, that. like I, I just think that with the, the skill talent on Virginia's offensive core like i just think they overwhelm illinois like illinois will keep this game close but i think virginia just doesn't they find a way to win this i'm gonna say that they get one of the two orange teams that they're playing on the road here in the first four games i'm gonna say that they get one of at illinois or at syracuse i don't think they get them both okay um i'm willing to accept that they, probably they also so get... they say start the, the first four games are richmond at illinois old dominion at syracuse yeah they're going three and one in that stretch yeah, Old Dominion is going to cause them problems, but uh, uh, yeah, I think three and one is probably fair. Yeah, then uh, they go at Duke to go four and one. Yeah, this is the uh, game we were talking about earlier with Louisville uh, in uh, in week six. Here, Louisville potentially could be in a similar place. Virginia coming in at four and one, I think, is going to be a game that people will talk about. Probably won't actually be like all that all that good. I don't know. Yeah, um, this happened a week later, be a big deal. This... Yeah, yeah. So who uh, who do you have here? I'm I'm kind of of two minds on this one. Oh, man, that is a tough question. Uh, I know we haven't talked about Louisville yet, but I do have them in my upper tier of this conference. I, I think that Louisville wins this game. I'm kind of high on Louisville, actually. I, I'm... I'm I, Malik Cunningham's going to have to do it all. Yeah. I just think Louisville's going to be able to get more pressure than Virginia does, and I think that... I don't know. I think Louisville wins, but I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about this at all, really. Yeah, man. <sighs> Yeah, I, I guess I guess I'll give it to it's really it's really close. So we'll say four and two going into the bye week. Coming out they get at Georgia Tech, so five and two. Uh Miami at home, North Carolina at home, Pitt at home are the next three. I think they take one of those, right? Probably North Carolina. Yeah. Could they, I will put could they Miami be... on Halloween weekend on upset special. Yeah, um, I, I think there's a chance they although no, never mind. They're not gonna beat Pitt because of the Pitt defensive line against this offensive line is 
bad news. Um, yeah. So I, I think they're going to beat North Carolina. Miami is certainly on notice, but I think they only get North Carolina of the three. So we're talking about I agree. six and four. No, no, we have them at five wins, right? Um, we had them getting three of the first four. Then yeah. Duke is four wins. Georgia Tech is five. Oh, you're right. Yeah, six, yeah. Sorry. Six, and, six and six four. and four going to the final two, which are they get coastal at home. That's yep. a tough game. It's a tough game. Coastal will be better at that point. If you're going to get Coastal this year, you want to do it early. Like Army gets them week one. That's a good time to do it because at this point they will have found a lot of new contributors filling in for the uh, all the, the departures. They, they return like 36% also, of their, their production from last year, right? Um, but you also want to get Virginia early because like the, their biggest problem is offensive line, which will hopefully have jail by November. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Virginia wins this one, but I think it's really close. I think it's a really good game. Yeah. Uh, so the seven wins, seven then at Virginia Tech. I think they win that game too. I think that's... Okay. Yeah. I, eight, they don't feel like an eight and four team, but I think they go eight and four. Yeah. I might. Can we add a loss in? Should we just go yeah. Seven let's let's say two? seven and five. We'll say that they lose one of the uh, the hinge games, one of like the, the Illinois Syracuse. They win and uh, they lose an extra one of those Illinois Syracuse pit. Yeah. Virginia uh, Tech. Virginia Tech. Kind of the same tier. Virginia Tech, coastal. North Carolina, Syracuse. I'll uh, even throw uh, Coastal Illinois in there. For me. Yeah. Coastal is unique enough that it can cause problems for teams that is better than it. Um, yeah, I, I think seven and five is probably probably fair. All right. See now you're now you're allowing me to use the Pac with, with the ACC. You wouldn't allow it with the Pac twelve. Yeah, we can the, just put in the, like this team actually isn't that good. Loss added in. Somewhere. Well, that's that's because the Pac twelve is uh, is is good. It's a it's a holy conference. Come on, it's, it's got. Come on, listen. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got Florida State, which is the final team in tier two for me. Which, if you guys haven't figured that math out, it means we have like six teams in tier one. Yeah, which is pretty funny. Um, Florida and, State, and weirdly, none of them are in, actually very good, which is <laughs> strange. Yeah. This is sort of a reflection of the league. <laughs> um, Norvell's in a really tough spot here, man. He's entering year three. Yes. He still is not producing even average offense, which is what he's hired to do, right? They 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 finished outside the top seventy in scoring offense each of his first two seasons. Uh, he hasn't had a winning record yet, both of which are just baseline minimum to expect to have here. With Deion Sanders coming out of the FCS ranks the way he has, it is it is do or die for Norvell. Like he needs to yeah. show convincing signs of improvement that translate to the field right now, or he's gone the minute Dion even shows any interest. Yeah. Maybe before they don't even yeah. if they get someone else out of Dion, they might take they might chop him anyway. Yeah, and he, um, he kind of did this at the end of last season, right? Like like it wasn't talked about a ton because they had started the year zero and four, but like they did finish five and three in their last eight. Beat Syracuse. And Jordan Travis looked good. Yeah. yeah, beat Syracuse. Beat North Carolina on the road. Uh, it was within ten of Clemson. Two possessions of NC State. Beat Miami. Beat Boston College on the road. Uh, the Florida loss at the end of the season is embarrassing. That is a bad loss. Yes, but it's um, very bad. In general, in the back half of the season, they didn't look lifeless. They looked like they had a little bit of of, uh, of hope moving forward. I'm curious about the offense without uh, Jay Sean Corbin, who we liked a lot last year. Uh, I think that the rushing attack is good enough that it can still keep moving even without him, but he was he was good. He was a really good player, uh, and I think that his his departure will be damaging. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, just, just right on the offense here really quick, uh, Jordan Travis last year, you talked about kind of their rise at the end of the season. It was pretty much when he started playing, right? He's a fifth-year yeah. junior QB because of COVID. Shout out to COVID. Yeah. Um, he started the final six Power 5 games of Florida State schedule. I think he only played a few snaps against UMass. Uh, and accounted for 1,600 yards and 21 touchdowns, just two turnovers over those six games, yeah. completing more than 66% of his passes. Yeah. Um, 
that's really good. And that development curve holds. That's something exciting for Florida State. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He is a uh, he's a really good runner. They they really used him well in the read option game in the back half of the season. Actually, I think I wrote a story about their offense near the end of the season um, because of the way. Never that read were, your writing before. Yeah, the way that they were using his, uh, his his running ability. They 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 did a lot of cool option stuff. They did a lot of stuff that we had not seen from Norvell in a while that I liked. Um, they should keep doing that because he's a really good runner and. Even if he was improved as a passer last year, I'm still not super confident in that, I would say. I, I think you still you want to make it easy for him as a passer, and, and the best way to do that is to set it up with the running game, um, even with Corbin gone. like I think Trishon Ward can pick up some of the slack. He was more explosive even than Corbin was last year. Uh, Lawrence to- Toafili is fine, kind of a power back. Um, this I, I really... The thing that I would be worried about here offensively is that they get a little bit too confident in Jordan Travis as a passer, and they go away from the stuff that was actually making him so effective last year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I mean, especially because, as you mentioned with Trayshawn Ward and Sophia, they average six and a half yards per touch between them, uh, yeah. which is like, that's a productive duo, right? Yeah. Like, they're not Jayshon Corbin, but they have some stuff here. Um, they, I think what's going to make them... What I'm a little nervous about is they brought in a couple high-profile transfers at receiver, and I think they're going to feel some pressure to feed them, right? Um, They have six of last year's top seven pass catchers back. Um, Ward himself had 22 receptions last year with kind of their passing down back. Mm -hmm. Um, Micah Pittman from Oregon's here. Johnny Wilson from Arizona State is here. Um, They also have four offensive line starters back, three of whom are uh, just sophomores, took their lumps as freshmen last year. Like, if they can get this unit – playing the way they did at the end of the season last year, and they don't get too overconfident in Travis, then you can compellingly say, hey, look, we have a core of like seven or eight like skill players and all of our offensive line coming back for a third season straight together going into next season. That If they do this, they got to win eight games this year for him to keep his job, I think. But I think they have, they might be capable of doing that, honestly. Like, I think they might be good. Yeah, yeah. The the receiver transfers are troubling for me i don't like either of those guys very much micah Pittman, i think is very limited uh athletically and johnny wilson is just like a tight end right he doesn't he's like six seven <laughs> two thirty yeah. just doesn't move very well and i don't i don't love those fits in this offense i think you want but the good part is like they don't have to they're not relying on them you know what i mean right you, they have other guys who are back like, they're, they're, like you, taking them is a problem but they do have other guys they could go to you would hope yeah um other side of the ball they did get a, a an impact transfer who i really like in general Verse the uh, the Albany transfer defensive end Albany transfer was oh, one yeah. of the one of the better pass rushers in the country uh, at the FCS level. He is good, and I think that he can step in and replace most, if not all, of Jermaine Johnson's production, uh, which I don't think is going to be as hard as maybe people think, because I didn't think Jermaine Johnson was really all that good. I think he was fine. Um, I don't know. He's a first round pick at ACC DPOI. He, he's that's a good play. I mean, he, like he's it, not. He he's feel- not Chase Young, but like, what's your standard for a college fit fan? He well, was a, no, he, he's a high end. He one. just feels like the kind of guy to me. Every year, you see three or four defensive linemen go in the first round who are like they were at a P five school and they were really highly touted recruits and they're great athletes and they test really well. But like, I don't know, he's Zach Harrison to me. It's it's sort of the same the same archetype oh, of guy. I, I didn't I see the we'll, kind of we'll I didn't see, see the kind of uh, refinement that I have seen in in verse. I think verse is honestly probably a better actual player than Jermaine Johnson is. He's certainly not the same athlete, but I think that he can be as productive, if not if not more so. They did also lose Keir Thomas, by the way, their other starting defensive end. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, edge rusher is really their only question here, right? So Keir Thomas, Jermaine Johnson are gone. Yeah. Um, they have Derek McClendon, the second, and Dennis Briggs Jr. back. Uh, you mentioned they brought in Verse. Uh, Verse had, just as for stats-wise, he had 14 and a half sacks in 15 games of Albany. Like, well, 
basically <laughs> they kind of need him to be at almost sack a game uh, uh level of production to kind of like replicate what they lost so like yeah he has some he has some big weight in his shoulders but he's done it before so if he can keep doing it good yeah. news for them he's gonna have some help. um he's gonna have help behind him too with dj lundy yeah. and kaylin deloche back at linebacker too for sure and and 10 of their top 11 defensive backs and staff count from last year are gone the only one they lost was a, a corner who transferred to louisville yeah um they have an all a first team all acc safety and i think i had an extra c there uh, Jamie Robinson. Jamie Robinson is a great name, by the way. Yeah. Uh, who's one of the best secondary players in the conference. The top four linebackers, top four defensive tackles, all back. Um, I think it's going to be a good unit. Like, I, I really do think there's reasons to think. The only difference is just, well, Florida State shit in its pants every year for the last, like, seven years straight. If yeah. you just ignore that, <laughs> this looks like a good football team with talent and uh, experience. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about the young uh, group of cornerbacks. Kevin Knowles, the second, is only a sophomore. Amari and Cooper's only a sophomore. I believe both of those guys are set in starting roles. Um, I do like, I have a weird affinity for Renardo Green. I don't really know why. Um, it just seemed like every time I was watching Florida State, yeah. it, every time I watched Florida State last year, he was making a play. Um, and so I think that that's where it comes from. But like, I, don't, I think he's probably actually just fine. Uh, but I, I am a little bit worried about how young the uh, the cornerback room is. I think that could cause some problems early in the season. Um, but yeah, in general, they, the, they do get a tough schedule too this year, which yeah, is not, I mean, they it, catch like four of the top five teams in the conference. Yeah. But in general, the defense is, is talented. I think in general, I, th- I think the team is talented. I think that they should be improved. It seems like they are getting closer to what Norvell wants. I just, like you said, it probably needs to be eight or seven or eight wins this season to continue this experiment with what Dion is doing, unless Dion completely falls off a cliff this year, which seems unlikely given the talent that they have. It will be pretty funny if Norvell finally gets the core right, but the entity wants the job. So he comes in and takes like the lot, like just the last year of this group <laughs> together and yeah. uh, brings in some high profile transfers. And they're just immediately a 10 win team. And that's yeah. not unlikely to me. Yeah. Uh, Cause this schedule sets up pretty tough for, for Florida state here. Yeah. They start off in week zero with Duquesne at home, which is a win. Mm-hmm. They get a neutral site game in new Orleans against LSU. I think they're going to win that football game. I think Florida state's a better team than LSU this year. <sighs> Yeah, who's playing quarterback for LSU? Uh, it's unclear, right? They had a bounce, Jaden Daniels and somebody else. That's right, Jaden da- right? Daniels. Um, is there. Let's Man. see if they have. They haven't announced anybody yet. Let me uh, let me Google that right now. I think that that um, is going to be the uh, every year we have a default week one game. This this will be week one because Florida State has a week zero game, the Duquesne game. Um, I think that LSU Florida State is going to be the every year game between two major power five brands that people take way too much from and read way too far into it's like oh you know the uh the the either the knolls or the tigers they're looking they're looking really good already under you know uh either in florida state's case they're they're continuing to yeah, move in the right seven direction five or, teams. <laughs> yeah but like it's gonna be like this is texas notre dame in 2016 or whatever it was this is texas usc in 2017 this is really any team that texas plays lsu ucla last year lsu ucla uh oh ucla texas a&m a couple years ago the game that went into overtime uh with the uh the fake spike um every year we have a game like this last year i think florida state was in it with uh who was it that they played last season to, to uh, open, I can tell you really quick. open the year um, uh it was they played notre, notre dame. dame yeah it was, notre, it was it yeah 41 30 in overtime game first yeah against and that was one where people night. were like oh my god florida state might actually be good this year and it's they're they didn't end up being good until much later in the season and even then they were only kind of okay but um i think that this could be 
that game this year. Uh, and so I don't know, honestly, that the winner is actually going to matter that much for the sake of doing a schedule prediction. I, I think, man, I, I guess I guess I'll save Florida State, but I don't feel great about it. Yeah, yeah, neither do I. Um, I, I think we got to take them, though, based on what we have here. Yeah. So that's a 2-0 and start, then a bye week, then at Louisville. On a Friday night, which is great. Fan-fucking-tastic that we get to watch this on Friday night. I love that. I'm I'm legitimately, it, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic. I'm not. That's awesome. I'm really excited about having that game on on a Friday night. Here's my prediction. There will be a fist fight both pregame and in-game with the yeah. Louisville Florida State match. I think that there will be a fist fight, and I think it's also going to be pouring rain. It's going to be like it's going to be one yeah. of those where it's like a downpour. Um, I am I crazy for thinking that Florida State wins this football game? I think Louisville wins. I think that I think that Florida State loses one of LSU or Louisville. I'm going to say. Okay, I fair think, enough. We'll I, split I think, it. It's a two and one the, start. Uh, yeah, I think, home against Boston College, I think, is a win. Yep. That's a three and one start. They go homecoming game against Wake Forest. It's not so going to go. Why did you pick that one for homecoming? That's not. not yeah, that. that's that's not going to go. This is uh that is the kind of. Uh, well, uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think they probably lose, but Wake Forest defense is going to suck, and it's early in the season, and it's before yeah. that team gels. I don't. I'm not predicting Florida State, but I'm just saying Wake Forest on upstate watching the upset watching this game. I think that there are there's a select group of teams who Wake Forest has been designed specifically to torment, and Florida yeah. State is in that group, right? Like the the talented but sort of uh, misguided football teams is the exact kind that Wake Forest beats the shit out of. They love to beat teams like this. That's uh, true. So I, I, think, I think Wake Forest wins. So we'd be talking about three and two at this point. Going three into, and two going at NC State. Yeah, going State, into a pair a of losses. Game. Yeah, going into a pair of losses at NC State and Clemson. So three and four going into the second. Could they beat Clemson? I don't know. I'm not predicting. No. Like, I just think I'm not predicting any of these games, but I just think like given how flat the ACC is this year, like none of these games in their schedule, I think except at NC State, I'm like, yes, guaranteed loss. The, all of these are games that may be competitive. I think Clemson's going to be close. I think it will be competitive, uh, but I, I think Clemson wins. It's uh, I don't think Florida State has quite enough to, to pull that out. I, I could see it being like a 20-14 to 14 kind of game. Yeah. So three and four going into the bye week. Yeah. I think he survives the bye week. Do you? I don't think he gets fired at this point. Oh, man. If he loses both of LSU and Louisville, he gets fired. But if he wins one of them, I think he might be okay. Um, so three and four, bye week, Georgia Tech, four well, and four. Yeah. At Miami, this is where the season hinges. This Ooh, is the boy. game of the season. Yeah, this is the game that gets him fired if he loses. Uh, he cannot lose this one. This is a this is going to determine his his. Unless he gets a win against that threesome of uh, Wake, NC State, Clemson. Like yeah. of those four games, you've got to win one. Just the, the season hinges on it. you have to win one of those four. I don't think he does. I don't think he does. I'll be honest. I don't think he I'll does. give him one. Honestly, I think I'm going to say he wins one of those four games. Uh, I don't know which one it is. I say it's not NC State. The rest of I think it's he can win one game, one game out of those four. So we'd be talking about what is that? Four, f- uh, five and four. Five and four. Is that right? Yeah. Five, yeah. five and four going into at Syracuse, uh, Louisiana at home, Florida at home to end the season. I could very he wins well. out. You could very well be eight and four. I I don't. I don't feel great about that. I don't feel great about eight and four. Uh, someone's got to win the games, man. I don't know. Maybe I'm over optimistic <laughs> in Florida State. I, I, I think there's something here. Like, if it wasn't if it wasn't Florida State, if we were talking about a team that had all of this talent and production back, 
And it wasn't a team that kept sharing its pants in previous years. I think we feel a lot better about this. It's just that we're all gun shy on Florida State, which I understand. Yeah. I know I'm really fucking risking it by doubling down on both Florida State and Tennessee in the same season. Sure. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. And UCLA. Yeah. I feel bad about this. Trust me. I don't think I'm good about betting on three teams that are kind of blue bloodish, but always suck. Yeah. But. I'll take Florida State eight and four. I, okay, I, I feel I'll, good about it. I'll give you Florida State eight and four because you let me have undefeated Utah. So that's uh, uh it's okay. a it's a trade I'm willing to make. So what do we have next? Jumping into tier one now. Uh, we're now in a tier one, which is most of the teams. Uh, yeah. So Scott Satterfield, he's had the hot and cold runs at Louisville to the least. His eight and five campaign in 2019 was followed up by a combined 10 and 14 record in his last two seasons. Uh, he also took an interview in South Carolina, which has made people pretty unhappy. But he has since quieted uh some of the some of the discontent he has a really uh, experienced team coming to 2022 one of the best recruiting classes in recent memory for Louisville these guys are like it's like a basketball recruiting class for them uh I'm not necessarily predicting similar results but I do think there are some similarities between 2022 Louisville and 2021 Pitt that caught my eye okay um so at every unit of this offense experience is just all over the place right Lee Cunningham's back for his fourth year as a starter he already has 11,000 yards and 100 touchdowns combined his career to date which is insane yeah uh Four of the five offensive line starters are back. They have 82 career starts between their members combined. That's oh boy. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, three running backs have accounted for more than 500 scrimmage yards, um, none of whom have senior eligibility return for 2022. So three running backs that could all be back again the following season. Yeah. They did lose Tyler Harrell transfer to Alabama, but should be boosted by a transfer of their own uh, uh, in FCS All-American and Walter Payton Award finalist Tyler Hudson. Yes. Central Arkansas, who's good. He's really good. He is good. Um, he accounted for more than 3,000 yards and 18-yard per reception average in his FCS career. Legit NFL prospect. Yeah. Um, they don't have a lot of proven receivers besides him, but I do like their sophomore uh, Amari Huggins-Bruce, who posted 444 yards and four touchdowns to true freshman last fall. Yeah, If he takes another leap again, he's going to be really good. One thing I do want to say, by the way, I am not one of the guys who hates on Jordan Addison for going to USC. He lost his position coach, stuff to coordinator, his quarterback. I am a hater of Tyler Harrell. This <laughs> this is bullshit, dude. Come on. like Everyone on the staff is back. Uh, he has a team pushing for conference title. His quarterback's back, his head coach is back, all of his coaches. That's bullshit, dude. He's, I mean, that he is a to transfer out of that program to go to Alabama. It's tough. It's not like they're hurting for NIL money. He's not not getting paid at Louisville. Yeah. Like he just wanted to go be on a better and team. I, yeah, and I and, and I, I think that's cowardly. I really I, do think it's cowardly. I think he would have put up big numbers on this team too. So it, it's uh, yeah, I I I would agree with. That. I don't really I think. think he's that good. If I'm being honest, I think he was like the second or third. Receiver no, I don't here. think he's that good. But I think that his style specifically, he is the he was the best deep threat on the roster by far. One of the better deep threats yeah. in the country, even if he can't do a whole lot else. So he would have put up big numbers on that. That front um and he, now he they, is the kind of guy fans are talking about and they're like well he's just like jumping off a roster to go to a trench because a championship which is 100 percent correct this yeah. is like he's not jimmy or give this that's this is to me that's that's absolute horseshit to transfer to alabama given the circumstances yeah i'm i'm i am curious to see who steps up as sort of the deep threat in the the receiver room because there's not a guy who really stands out to me i think hudson um, could do it hudson, hudson is could. is that really built that way but i mean 18 yard perception average i mean he's d he's w- got some speed d wiggins is a good athlete you know it's uh i don't know this is an offense that can generate big plays and can create big plays um i i'll compliment uh the the program building here which has not always been a strength under satterfield but i think that they have done a really good job of 
building this offense to fit his uh, what he likes to do. I think that this this collection of talent really, really suits uh, Satterfield's system, which is not necessarily how you want to do things. Usually you want to work it the other way around, but um, I think that the guys that he has, this offensive line fits well. Malik, or, uh, yeah, Malik Cunningham fits well. Uh, Jalen Mitchell and, and, and Tyon Evans, I think both fit well at running back. This is a, it's an offense that makes sense with what they do schematically. Like Marshawn Ford is a really good fit fit as a blocker at a tight end in this uh, in this system they they've done a uh, they've done a, they've done a good job of understanding what they want to make the offense work it was top 40 borderline top 40 last year i think it gets better this year yeah um i think it's valid i think it's really valid um i don't know what do you what are your expectations of this defense in general like I, I think if you believe in brian brown you should be kind of high on this group right like yeah what, what he did at louisville or sorry what he did at app state before coming to louisville was I know you're not a huge fan of his, right? I don't think you're you're high on him. He did have multiple top ten finishes, but that's also just a talent level thing in, in the conference he was in. Yeah, um, they, they're getting closer to it being um, good. It's still I, I'm not. I don't think it's going to take a step towards like one of the better ones in the league this year or anything. But they certainly got better as the season went on last year. I mean, when they opened. I think it was when they opened last year. Let me look at the schedule real quick. Um, it was either last year or you mean a vamp we did this? Twenty twenty. Um, uh, let me look at the twenty twenty schedule real quick. But I remember. Okay. Yeah. While you're a... doing that, just really quick, they, they did suck eggs last year. They're below average almost every category. Yeah. They do return more players to start experience. They're starting job, which is a good sign. Yeah. Uh, their best player, senior linebacker, all American candidate, Yasir Abdullah, who had ten sacks. They have three safeties and three corners that at least a season of starting experience underneath their belt. Um, five of whom transferred to Louisville during the last couple off seasons, kind of the beneficiary of transfer portal stuff. Yeah. Uh, including that Florida State corner I mentioned. They have to be at least average if they have real expectations, and they should be by all accounts. Like the only thing they can fuck it up with is just Brian Brown being bad. Yeah. The game I was thinking about was in 2020. It was one of the first games of the year. Miami 47, Louisville 34. This was the game where uh, Cameron Harris ran nine times for 134 yards. There were several plays where. Louisville just didn't have any players in the back, like of the back, in the back of the defense. They would put like plays starts. They have eleven guys in the box. Somehow they don't make a play on the running back, and he's running like eighty yards with nobody even in the frame for the last forty yards of the run. Um, but that is still that's two years ago. They have gotten better since then. I just. I have a, a few worries about specifically early in the season Louisville's defense. It gets better as the year goes on, but they have had some pretty nasty glitches to start the year the last two or three years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and given the way the schedule, uh, I mean, starts with yeah. like uh, it's not playing a... that Syracuse team in week one in the row, <laughs> oh, you really cannot man. glitch. This is a bad way to start if you're a defense that is um, – liable to give up some big plays because they start at Syracuse at UCF Florida State at home that is a tough that's a tough way to do that that is man that's not that's not not what you want that's not what you want three straight night games two of them on the road oh man that's tough that's a tough draw two Friday games back to back too the UCF game is also on Friday night oh Uh, yeah that's wild man Um, I mean I don't know I, I think I'll follow your lead and say that they beat Florida State, but Florida State beats LSU. We'll give them that half of the split. Yeah. I think they start 3-0. I know it's going to be a tough 3-0, but I do think they go 3-0. 3-0, man. I'm, I'm trying to... 
I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two and one. I think they lose to Syracuse week one. I think that Syracuse is gonna get them. I I like Louisville more than I like Syracuse. I think Louisville is a better team. But every year they've done this to me, where I have thought, well, Louisville's defense is gonna get better, and it does, but it doesn't in week one. And they are playing a really strong rushing attack. I think that Syracuse is gonna beat the hell out of them. If Syracuse, if Syracuse had Sean Ryan and any passing threat, I agree with you. But I don't think you can do this just running the ball. You can't. You can't keep the points up like I can just the whole defense. I'm like gonna, I'm going to stake my claim that one of Syracuse or UCF does it. I I, I don't I uh, have to I'm going to have to I'm going to have to argue with you here man. I I'm really pushing for three of them. I just don't know how they get all three of these. They're, they're it's it's three teams that are positioned. I mean, think about Florida well, State's UCF rushing sucks. attack. Let's ignore UCF. UCF sucks. But like two games on the road, tough places to play. UCF stadium is a disaster. Uh and then you're also playing a a read option offense with a really good running quarterback. Uh, in Florida State and and like oh, man I just I don't know that's really tough to get three from that that's really really tough all of these teams uh, Florida State being the, I don't know Syracuse is an all offense no defense team this year right and that's our expectation yeah I just think Louisville's better at that than they are I do think Louisville has better offensive firepower I know Sean Tucker's really good but like that's he's the only player on the team but that's it and his offensive lines sucked yeah like Louisville has every piece of their offense. The only guy that they lost really is Tyler Harrell. And like every other piece of the offense is going to be significant contributors up and down the roster. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. If if they're starting 3-0, and it means they're starting 6-0, and though. Because the next... Tr- yeah, three, trust yeah, me. I feel bad about going to the map yeah. for Louisville. I mean, I'll, 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 yeah, it doesn't the, feel good. I'll tell you that. The next three are uh, USF but, at home at Boston College at Virginia. I think they win all three of those. Um, yeah. So, so, I can give you... Uh, here's what I'll say. If you, if you want to fight for it, I'll say, but the combination of having Syracuse on the road, Virginia on the road, Florida State at home, maybe I'll, I'll, we'll say five and one start. They just lose one somehow. Okay, that's fine by me. So then by week at five and one, they get Pitt at home. I I think they lose. Mm, I'm going to say that they get one of Pitt or Wake Forest. Both, okay, both I'll, I'll play ball back on that. To back. Six and two. Six and James two. James Madison at home is seven and two. I don't, at Clemson. I'm going to be honest. I don't think they're winning again. <laughs> Of these last three, at Clemson, NC State at home, at Kentucky, I think they're going to lose all three. I, you know, I think that Kentucky is has a Mickey Mouse quarterback with Will Levis. I know, but Kentucky uh, Satterfield has to win eventually, right? Like, no, I don't think he, it's like Mark Stoops owns the rivalry. Like, I, I think don't think he. Like, I don't think he does. <laughs> I don't think that Satterfield does have to win eventually. I think that Stoops does own the rivalry. <laughs> I think that there oh, are man. there are times there are spiritual uh, you know rivalry uh, victories like like Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh where it's like it gets to a point where you you literally you can't you cannot overcome the. I don't think it's damage. at that point, dude. Didn't he win a game like three years ago? I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not 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 a game that I'm thinking about regularly in July. Um, I I, I think I think Kentucky uh, I think Kentucky yeah they haven't won since 2017 actually it's like and they've great. really kind of gotten the shit kicked out of them the last couple of times <laughs> yeah they really have actually yeah holy goddamn this is bad <laughs> yeah, they um, really kind of before that like it they, seems they, like they alternated 2016 17 well, Louisville won for five before that they had that. Lamar Jackson they, I mean that's like yeah they were better then I agree Louisville used to be good and now it's not as good as it was like it's I don't know well it's but it's a game of it's this rivalry is a game of runs right it's like yeah and I think Kentucky it, six in a row. Louisville two in a row, Kentucky two in a row, Louisville three in a row, uh, Kentucky one, Louisville four in a row, Kentucky four in a row, Louisville five in a row, Kentucky one, Louisville one, Kentucky three in a row. It's I would, just a run. It's, it's a run run. I would argue that Kentucky has remained on that run. I don't think that there's anything that makes me think Kentucky can't continue to do that. Okay, it, we'll call them seven and five then, in which yeah. case we probably should put Florida State in tier one. 
Um, um, okay, yeah. So seven and five. Uh, for, for that's a disappointing season for this unit. That's the, that's the they probably that's should do better season. than that. I think they could be eight and four. I think that there are a couple hinge games that they could grab. I'm not sure. I think they could go a whole lot higher than that. Um, but like we said, this this league is so flat that it's not impossible to see a team jumping up out of out of uh, out of nowhere. So we're gonna say seven and five with potential four, eight and four. Uh, I, I think is is uh, is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Miami. Okay. Miami. Um, Mario Cristobal takes over the team here. I, I know the U is back. Crudy and I know yada, yada, yada. Don't care. Just simply do not care. Uh, I know Pat, we disagree this in the pre-show, but like, I don't care about the program discussions at all. I think they've been overdone. The team discussions are kind of interesting to me because I think they're a fascinating football team this fall. Yeah. If you were some of the program, you were welcome to. I could not care less about this team as a program. I, I don't really know that I have a ton to add on it. Like I, I think that it's a lot has been said on Miami already. I, I, the way that they are talked about is unbearable. The the coverage of Miami potentially being good again is unbearable. It's really really poorly done. Um, just not. There are I think a lot of interesting things about this program structurally about Mario as a coach and the way that he does things. And I don't think that any of those avenues have really been explored nationally. Um, which is probably at least partially a, a Miami directive to focus all their stuff on NIL, on being the the hot new brand, on bringing in the Clemson athletic director, stuff like that, right? But, like, I think there's a lot of stuff here that is much more interesting that's not being talked about. I just don't know that, like, at this point we can really speak definitively on it. I, I'm just – I'm curious about what having someone who uh, I think both understands the program, which has been – a necessary thing in the past, but is also a, a proven head coach who is not past his prime um, is interesting. I think it's interesting for this program. I think that for the first time since the early 2000s, they are actually, even if the, the NIL stuff is, is uh, childish and, and, and Mickey Mouse and uninteresting to us, I do think that they as a as an actual athletic department and football program they are taking it seriously for the first time in two decades right they are they are doing the things that you have to do to win football games um and so i am interested in that i think that that is that is uh more much more fascinating than any of the shit that people are talking about with um you know recruiting budgets or anything like that i'm not i don't care about that but i do care about like Mario has run a program before. He has run a successful program before. He has recruited, I think, the exact kind of guys that Miami should be recruiting. Um, at Oregon, he did it at Alabama. He has been a coach in the state before at FIU. He played at Miami, from Miami. I, I think that the long-term viability of this program is very interesting. I just don't think that people are really talking about it in that terms, the the in those terms, like the correct way right now. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, on the team front, Tyler Van Dyke, um, I he's good. I, I'm not sure I get the surefire first. I think he's actually pre- like really good. I'd say as a college quarterback, yeah. I don't know that he's a surefire first round pick. The way he's kind of getting this hype for, I, I thought he was legitimately excellent against two really good defenses, NC State and Pitt. And the other four games against quality opponents that he had, which were Virginia, North Carolina, Florida State, Virginia Tech, he completed just 51.3 percent of his passes with nine touchdowns against five interceptions, 7.4 yards per attempt. Yeah. You got to have more than two great games, right? He beat up Duke or Georgia Tech, but who cares? That does not doesn't matter to me at all. Like, you got to have more than two good games, man. You got to be better on an average Saturday than that. Um, he's a deep ball specialist, and, and I think like year two for guys like that, he came in as a mid year starter. A lot of these guys who just have to throw a pretty deep ball, like 
do not always hold up once even just learn that. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Dwayne Haskins had one, uh, you know, rest in peace, et cetera, et cetera. Had yeah. one great season in 2018, just throwing a gorgeous deep ball. Uh, when teams saw the NFL, they're just like, oh, if you just play safety, Steve, you can't do anything at all. I uh, I was trying to think, I was I was sort of racking my brain trying to think of a comparison for Tyler Van Dyke. Honestly, I think Dwayne Haskins might not be a bad one. Uh, that's kind of who he is to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Damn, I'm feeling like white Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, and I don't think he's as good as Dwayne was either. Like, I think he's no. like a, a slightly off-brand Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I, I think Dwayne um, Dwayne was was certainly more efficient than I think Tyler Tyler will be. Yeah. Uh, it could and also, also be, to be fair, he had better Dwayne had better talent around him. A and, better better uh, system for a quarterback to be efficient, things like that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that that's a uh, Tyler's a better athlete. We'll give him that. Tyler's a better athlete. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Dwayne is uh, Dwayne Dwayne. <laughs> I, I think, PO, as we all it, know. yeah, in th- entirely through his own choosing, not a good athlete. I think that that was Correct. exclusively a, yeah. uh, a Dwayne decision. What do you think about the fit here for Tyler Van Dyke with Josh Gaddis, uh, with this mm. this system? I mean, Gaddis is sort of just like an inoffensive pick to me, right? Like, I don't think he really does anything all that unique. There's a little bit more power to his spread than there are to the traditional ones, but a lot of his stuff just seems sort of like the same to me, which is not, you know, Miami will have a talent advantage, largely speaking. So it's not the end of the world. It's not like Virginia doing this. Um, but he doesn't really, I don't know. He doesn't jump off the page for me. I think he's just fine. I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's amazing. I think he's just yeah, that's, pretty comfortable with what he is doing. Yeah. And like, I think the Broyles award stuff was fairly ridiculous. It was strange. Yeah. Like, yeah it was very strange. It felt, it was like, if Michigan's offense like wasn't that good, it was good, but it wasn't. Yeah, like, they killed Ohio State, yeah. right? They really they really beat the shit out of Ohio State, but I don't think that was scheme. Really, that was just like yeah, Ohio their, that their was, linemen I mean, it kicked was, the shit out of Ohio State's linemen. That's what happened. Yeah, I think it was scheme, but I don't think it was Michigan's scheme. <laughs> like, yeah, fair enough. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. yeah, scheme, and I think it's a toughness and SNC problem too. But yeah, um, there was a there was yeah. A strange... I, I think if anything, this is a downgrade in coordinator hire and coordinator talent, right? Like Rhett Lashley was a better coordinator than than Josh Gaddis he's, he's a different style of coordinator I think honestly reputation wise in term and and of their deployment of their specific specific system I would say they're pretty similar they're, it's very different systems but I, I think that their mastery of that offense I think of them as kind of similar level of, of guy well let me say this then I think that Rhett Lashley is a better fit for the personnel Miami has this season yeah, I think that's I think that's probably fair. I don't know that Miami's going to have the line to do quite what Gaddis likes to do. Um, yeah, they they do have four offensive linemen returning, but only one of them I think is like maybe two of them are good. Like I yeah. really like Zion Nelson at left tackle. I think he'll be picked in the NFL. And it seems like DJ Scape's a really good right guard, but the rest of the guys I do not think much of at all. Oh, and they've got uh, a they've got a potential starter uh, of a of a freshman at uh, at left guard. Yeah, right, with Jalen Rivers. That's bad. You do not and want there, to be doing that. There has um, been a uh, I I'm until further notice. I'm going to be until further notice. I'm going to be concerned about the P five uh, offensive lines in the state of Florida because there has been such a serious dearth of talent in the in the big three for the last you know five years or so, right? Like. Florida State, Crazy, Miami, dude. and Florida yeah. have all faced the exact same problems on the offensive line, where it's like... Well, because all of the good linemen are just going to Alabama, yeah, right? Like, all of the yeah. good linemen are just going to Alabama yeah, instead yeah, of Florida yeah, the It's J- really been fucking up the balance of college football. Yeah, the J.C. Lathams of the world are just going to Alabama. So you have, like, these well, lines... He's from Wisconsin, but yeah. Well, he was at IMG, though. I would, I'd count yeah, him yeah. because he came out of Florida 
you can technically. Um, Fair enough. But like, and he did still go to Alabama. That's a guy who like Miami or Florida or Florida State in its heyday should have been after, even if he's not a Miami or a, or a Florida native. Um, but like you have, they've all had sort of the same issue where like they have flashes of good run blocking. Florida State last year, Florida had some good rushing attacks, but they are so limited athletically in standing up to pass rush they can't do it they're not either they're not quick enough florida state has had some real stinkers at tackle in terms of athletes just really really should not be on an fbs football field and miami has had some of the same problems and it it, it has so severely limited what those offenses can do schematically because they can't hold onto the ball for very long i think miami's is is in a better state than it has been um but i still don't feel like great about it which is not ideal for Tyler Van Dyke given how he is Dwayne Haskins he's white Dwayne Haskins and that's a guy who loves to throw the ball down the field yeah yeah absolutely um in terms of other talent on the team Jalen Knighton's back at running back who's a good like pass catching running back but uh not a good actual running back average 3.8 yards per carry you can pin some of that in the O-line but I think he's just also like He's a guy who's more comfortable in space than he's right between the tackles, which is he, a problem in Josh Gaddis' offense. It's a yeah, real problem. He actually. Uh, he waits too long. He he likes to yes. he likes to dance around, and I, I don't know that they have like a Blake Corum on this team. I don't know that they have like a uh, you know like a um, who is the guy uh, Hassan Haskins. I don't know that they have a guy like that. Who, yeah, uh, I tend to agree. Yeah. Uh, in fact, they're a pretty like soft team. I mean, just as a, it's it's not a novel op- observation, but like Miami is not exactly the toughest team in college. Yeah, and I think I think that Mario will get that at least somewhat fixed. I didn't. I don't think that I would ever consider those Oregon teams soft. Uh, I think schematically a little bit barren. I would probably say was their biggest issue, but I don't know that I would say those guys were soft. So I, I think that. I think that Miami's probably going to take steps forward on that front, but it is very much, this is a, it's not a year zero, but this is a, a first year. And I think that you're going to see first year growing pains, even if this is a talented team that will win a decent chunk of games through that talent. I, just, I think you're going to see um, probably, honestly, some guys who are struggling with the change to a more serious program. We've seen this before um at at schools that have struggled for long periods and then bring in somebody who has an actual background of winning and establishing a a a winning culture um you will see sometimes in those first couple years a lot of guys dip a lot of times guys are like well fuck this no i'm gonna go to arizona state you know i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to a place that isn't taking it this serious i don't want to do this i don't want to do all these fucking workouts i don't want to learn all this shit and so i think that you could see that i think you could see sort of an exodus you already saw a little bit of it this year but i think you could see sort of an exodus next year too um and maybe some some intra squad issues during the season as you have some guys who have taken to the culture and you have other guys who maybe haven't. Um, so yeah. I, I could see that causing some issues, but I think they are going to be uh, pretty good. Yeah. Really quick wrap up on their personnel on the offensive side. Uh, Clemson transfer where Frank Latson's their top receiver, I guess I, they mm. lost Charles Rambo, Mike Harley, really just nothing interesting at receiver, but yeah. you assume they just have some Southwood guys who can play or at least fast or something like you assume that would be here. Yeah. Um, Will Mallory is a pretty good tight end. I don't know. That's that's about all I've got. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Chris the Ball brought in longtime Auburn defensive coordinator Kevin Steele, uh, who had been hired by Maryland, and they got more before the offseason <laughs> was even like underway. Really. Yeah. Um, I six players. Oh, go ahead. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna say I really like this defensive staff. I really, really. Yeah, like this they're really good. Up and down. Besides Kevin Steele, they have 
Um, Charlie Strong is coaching linebackers as co-DC. Yeah. Jamil Adai is handling the secondary. And Joe Salavea is uh, handling the defensive line coach. Yeah. He's a longtime Oregon D-line he, coach. That is a stacked group. Yeah, Joe is Joe Salavea is the one you can credit uh, Kayvon Thibodeau to. You can credit uh, DeForest Buckner. You can credit all sorts of really good tackles. Um, that he is he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff for sure. He's a he's a good coach. It's a really good defensive line group. Like I like I like Steele as a coordinator too. I certainly don't like him as a head coaching option like he was a couple years ago. But he he runs a good defense. The two four five is really interesting and works really well. I, I agree. Here's the concern: only six years player six players from last year's roster with any kind of starting experience uh, are back to the two D. Yeah, uh, they have one defensive tackle, two linebackers, a corner, and two safeties. That's all it's back. Uh, and those guys aren't full-time starters. A lot of them are spot starters. Yeah. They brought in seven transfers to start an experience though, to bring, like especially on defensive line. Um, they are trying to upgrade talent fast and I think they will do so, but I do wonder even with this staff, they just take some lumps on defense this year because they don't really have the experience uh, across the roster. Yeah. I'm looking at the Athlon projected two deep here, uh, which would include 22 players. 13 of them are underclassmen on the defense. Yeah. A lot of those guys are starters. This unit will end up good, but I don't think it's this year. Yeah. There are seven, what is that? Eight projected sophomore starters. in this in this specific uh magazine and that might be a little bit aggressive but like they played a lot of freshmen in the secondary at the end of last season um i think that probably three of those guys and james williams avante williams and cameron kinchins are probably all gonna start um and so like it's just they're really young i think that they will be they will be aggressive they will be talented you will see the flashes but you're also going to see situations like what i was talking about earlier with florida state and wake forest this is the kind of team that that creative well-designed offenses and and coaches who understand their system are going to be able to take advantage of because there's so much youth on the defense yeah yeah i will say the the good thing the good thing on their behalf is if you're another team you want to get them early uh and they only play like one quality two and one and a half quality teams in their first before november like you know what i mean like like this this schedule is soft man they open up the season their first four games for their bye week are home against Bethune-Cookman, home against Southern Miss, at Texas A&M, home against Middle Tennessee. A&M will beat them, I think, but that's a three-and-one start. Yeah. That's with one game where it's even semi-difficult. I think that and I don't think A&M is unbeatable. Yeah, the discourse going into that game is going to be unbearable, but I think that the game itself yes. is going to be pretty fun. Nine the two PM. NIL, NIL yeah. powerhouses matched up with the field. Yeah, I, Money I, translate to success? <laughs> I can write Stu Mandel's column right now. I Jesus think, Christ. I think that these are basically the same <laughs> program, if I'm being honest. Texas A&M's just been uh, doing it for a little uh, longer. Bruce, uh, Bruce uh, I was reading the uh, Sagarin rankings, and these are going to be two of the top teams in the country. Bruce, do, do we yeah. think that uh, they're receptive billionaires uh, yeah. for like this top field right now? Is it yeah. too early in 2022, Bruce? <laughs> Stu, uh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up, Stu. I, I can only assume that that's just all that their podcast is. I haven't listened, but I can assume that it's it's just Bruce telling Stu to shut the fuck up. Well, he's like, I, <laughs> I put it on whenever I'm doing like deep work. I have to not listen to something that I want background noise for. Sure. I either put that on or like techno without lyrics. So it's yeah. kind of my See, two. I, I go, uh, I do Japanese jazz. So we're, we're in sort of a similar cool. The, the holy trinity of Japanese jazz, uh, techno, and Stu Mandel's voice. It's... I'm gonna. You ever come to New York City? Or you want to come visit me sometime? I'll take you to a techno show. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that, that does, that do does that. sound fun. So three and one start going into the bye week. Uh, then they get North Carolina at home at Virginia Tech, Duke at home at Virginia. I think all four are wins, right? Yeah, I think this is a seven and one seven start. Seven and one start. Um, Florida State at home. I'll, 
I'll say this. Uh, they'll lose one. Their following game is home against Florida State. They'll lose either at Virginia or home against Florida State. I think probably home against Florida State. Yeah. They're not going to go. They're, they're not starting 8-1. and one. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, 7-2. and two, They're going to beat Georgia Tech 8-2 and two at Clemson and Pitt at home to end the season. I think they lose. 8-4. and 8-4 and four feels games. fair for this team. Yeah, 8-4 and four I think is. With, a, with a, honestly a pretty damn good shot to go 9-3 and three or 10-2. Like yeah. I, I don't think that's impossible. There's And hell, if they beat A&M, there's a scenario where this team is 10 and 0 rolling into at Clemson. I don't think that's happening, but like I don't think it's that far off either. Yeah, I have I have seen that happen before, and I would be worried about Miami's um, chances <laughs> in that situation. Yes. Clemson yes. does not take well to that sort of thing. All right, next up we have Wake Forest uh, remaining in Tier One. I think that this is sort of where I see there being like a jump, right, in 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 quality, because um, like Louisville, Miami, Florida State are all sort of. We think they're going to be bowl teams, and they have the potential to be good. I, I'm pretty comfortable with Wake Forest at this point. I think that you're lower on Wake Forest than I am, but I'm I'm fairly I'm fairly comfortable in, in thinking that Wake Forest will be good. I, I'm kind of convinced at this point that that's just what Wake Forest does. Well, I want to say that, of course, like you know, I well, let's be clear here. I do support the Wake Forest program and all that stuff, and I do think Dave Kloss has done a tremendous job. Yeah, um, what they did last year was incredible. I just think that like. <sighs> besides the receivers and quarterback kind of group, um, I, I don't know. The offense, basically the whole offense is stacked. I, I, I do think that the defense is just going to be really shitty again. And I, I yeah. think that like, while Wake had a great season last year, I think that I think the NC state win was a little fluky. And the fact they made a conference title, like they were probably like an eight and 14 that had a couple close wins. They shouldn't have gotten yeah. more than they were like an actual 10 and two team to me. Yeah. I think that's about what they are this year again, right? They're an eight and four team that made that could go they're probably more like a nine and three team that could go eight and four or ten and two. Yeah. But like I think that's what I see as them again this year. That's all it is. Yeah, I, I think that that's I mean you know, we, we talked about a lot of programs in this league that would absolutely love that. And yeah, I think it's definitely worth mentioning that like the job that Dave Clawson has done here is obviously unbelievable. And we do, as you as you said, we do both financially and mentally support the program. I know that you've donated thousands of dollars to Wake Forest football in the last year. Right. Well, it was your money, but yeah. It's yeah, still, along so. with some other maybe, you know, uh, maybe a little bit less... Uh, I don't know, popular institutions, you know, like, like, uh, some in some other countries, maybe some foreign, uh, allies of ours who are, they're working to rebrand, you know, they're, 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 they're branching out into sports a little bit. And we have of course given them some money as they continue to do that. Um, well, and we, we, we are pretty excited to announce next week. We do have a little guest from the podcast. I guess that we don't usually do those, but, um, <laughs> do you mind if we tease it now, Patrick? Can yeah. I tease it on the pod? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, we do have Prince Mahabha bin Salman during the podcast, <laughs> along, with, along with his close personal friend, Phil Mickelson, oh, as well as the former Mrs. Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah. Um, it's a really exciting trio. Um, I can't wait to have mine. I think it's going to really change what we do well, in coverage. Yeah, well, and we also have, I'm, I'm really excited about this one. We have, and I'm going to spoil this. You guys have to keep this secret. We have Urban Meyer set to come on uh, next week as well, and he's going to, for the first time, publicly come out as a member of the Brotherhood. He has joined the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, he is... Oh, they ain't going to like this one, Patrick. <laughs> they ain't going to like us doing this one. I'll tell you that. And uh, he is, you know, he's ready to uh, to live in his truth. He spent some time in prison, 
and he picked up through some reading. You know, he, he did a little bit of reading. He is fucking Jack right he's now. He's shredded. He's absolutely huge. He's got the, uh, you know, he's wearing a suit uh, all day, everywhere he goes. He looks great. He looks like, uh, he looks like, you know, uh, he looks like a retired wrestler who's like still into it, right? Like he looks like, uh, he looks like Ric Flair. And he looks fantastic. We're really excited to talk to him about his transition into the Brotherhood, which is, of course, something that Ryan and I have both done years ago. We were already yes. on this wave, and so we're really happy to welcome him, welcome him to the uh, the group. If you thought that shin looked unique before, you should see it now. That's all I'll say. But, uh, <laughs> Patrick, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about Wake Forest offensive personnel and kind of what to expect from them this season? Yeah, so everybody's back pretty much, right? There's like going to be uh, it's going to be a new guy at running back. It looks like Justice Ellison's kind of the projected guy there. Christian Turner is there as well, I believe, is a Michigan transfer. If memory serves, I might be misremembering, but none of my business. Uh, <laughs> not my problem. Uh, but pretty much everybody else is back. Sam Hartman is back. Somehow only a junior. I don't know how Sam Hartman is only a junior. Um, He's a fifth-year junior, yes. <laughs> yeah, the entire offensive line is back. is largely upperclassmen. Uh, Donovan Green, A.T. Perry, uh, Taylor Morin. I mean, the the offense is like you said, it's stacked. It's it's this is a it's a really really good offense. It, it's you've seen what this offense does uh, from a from a creativity perspective. It's going to continue to be that. I don't think there's really any reason to change. Um, but this is a team that scored more than 35 points in all but uh, two of its games <laughs> last season. Like this was a really damn good offense. 41 points per game. Um, really, really damn good, and basically everybody is back from it. I, I, I mean, the the expectation has to be around this offense. They even bring back uh, Warren Ruggiero, the offensive coordinator. Dave Clausen's obviously back, and it's, it's his system as well. Um, I don't think there's any reason to think that this offense doesn't just continue to get better and, and yeah. isn't one of the best in the country. Like, uh, just, I know you mentioned the skill core. The number that jumps off the page to meet you, by the way, here is seven offensive linemen with starting experience, yeah. five of whom are seniors or super seniors. Yeah. Like, just a super veteran group. And I would say that this is a relatively friendly offense for offensive linemen in general. So it's like you're adding really good offensive linemen, experienced offensive linemen into a system that is – uh, pretty forgiving for them in, in some cases because of what they're able to do to uh, to hold linebackers at bay, put those guys into conflict. Uh, I don't think we need to explain a ton of what this offense does. I'm, I would imagine most people listening have seen it um, with the, uh, the the extended release point on the mesh and things like that. Um, if you haven't, why do you listen to our show? Yeah, what's like, wrong well, with you? You are not man. a demographic. That's what the show is all... Yeah. The, Wake Forest is pretty much like what it would look like if we were to build a college football program. <laughs> like, it would pretty much just be that. Um, well, Sam Hartman would be way more jacked if I was there. Yeah, Sam yeah, Hartman would be shredded. But other than that, um, <laughs> but yeah, like A.T. Perry is fantastic. Six foot five is a great outside threat on this on this offense. Um, I just, you know, Taylor Moran's great out of the slot. I'm curious about who steps up at running back, but I really don't think it matters. I, I think that the rest of this offense is so fucking good that it's really, it's going to be just it's going to continue to roll. I don't see it getting any worse at all. And the rushing attack wasn't really the strength last year. Anyway, I think that this is probably, if not the same, even better uh, offensively than it was last season. Well, they do lose leading rusher, Christian Beal. Yeah. Uh, right. That's they the lose, uh, but I, I agree largely. I mean, it's not like a guy who ran for 4.6 per carry is going to be impossible to put replace. Yeah. Right? Is it Jakari uh, Roberson, the wide receiver who's gone as well? Slot, that sounds right to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just up and down the roster though. 
no one's worried about the offense whatsoever. I think it'd be nice to see Sam Hartman cut down his interceptions. Like I wouldn't call him the most efficient quarterback in the world. Yeah. Um, he still hasn't finished above 60% completion percentage and through 14 picks, but like the raw numbers are there. He'll get plenty of opportunities to do what he wants to do. Yeah. I think if he was t- like, I know I talked about kind of the um, Kenny Pickett uh, potential with uh, Virginia and, and uh, Brennan Armstrong. Another one right here, if he just cuts down on some of his mistakes and kind of improves efficiency, makes a ton of sense to me for him to have a great season. Yeah, something interesting, just uh, I, I don't pull a ton from the stats, but just something I thought was interesting. For finishing drives last year, uh, Wake Forest, like like drives that should have ended in points, Wake Forest was fifth in the country. So like that's a, it's not a thing that you think about a ton, goal line success, red zone success, things like that, because... The expectation generally is like, yeah, if you're in the red zone, you should score, but that's obviously not a given. And Wake Forest finishes drives better than almost anybody, and it's because of that slow mash. It is entirely, I would say, because of that slow mash, because it so completely alters the dynamics of a of a red zone defense by moving so many defenders out of a position by forcing them to commit to something um and it's uh it's not a huge thing but it's something that i think is worth noting because this is such a hard team to get off the field once they get going right um Absolutely. yeah it's, it's just they're they're not the most explosive team they're not the most efficient team they're 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 certainly decent in both but the biggest issue you're going to have with this offense is that there's just never a good solution for what they're doing there's never you can never have enough guys to defend what they're doing really and so they're they're really hard to get off the field yeah um i do think that like they, they are just going to gash your defense too right we know that yeah. there's really these drives together it just absolutely gasses people they can't they can't hang on um it's anyway anyway to, to get back to the defensive side of the ball here really quick um i think the defense is probably still going to suck right they, they don't really get, stop the run at all, and they also give up a lot of explosive pass plays, yep. which is not really <laughs> – that's like the worst formula you can have. It's the opposite of what you want to do. Yep. Um, the defensive line has six contributors with some certain experience in the 2D, which is nice. The linebackers are middling to poor, I'd say. And the mm-hmm. secondary has like seven or eight players took snaps in, snaps in some meaningful moments back last season, but the majority of them are all at safety. Yeah, um, it's a young group too. I've got, I've, I've yeah, got three I, I, starters in the secondary who are sophomores. I think theoretically, if this like if a veteran experience with the DBs and deals kind of results in some increased pressure and decreased bus plays, that's good for Brad Lambert, the defensive coordinator here. But uh, personally speaking, I, I don't expect very much from the Wake Forest uh, defense. I'm just not really what they do. Yeah, I, I will mention um, Rondell Bothroyd on the defensive line is really good defensive end. I think that he is going to. Uh, carry probably a lot of the the pass rushing effort um the addition of lambert is is good i will say he's not talked about as as a guy who is like this but he's a he's a really good defensive coordinator he did a great job at marshall a couple years ago didn't get a uh an especially long stint at at, i think he was at purdue last season but purdue's defense was was good purdue's defense was certainly improved last year purdue's defense had george karloftis who was like sure i think that rondell bothroyd is he's not george karloftis but i think he is good um i think that he could do something pretty people people are saying that that brad lambert's low-key nice with it you were hearing that he is he's low-key nice with it and i think that he is going to drive improvement on this defense even if it's not like huge you know top of the acc improvement i do think that they will be better than they were last year defensively even without like a ton of names jumping off the board just because i trust brad lambert to uh to get it done he's not doing anything terribly complex or anything he's just really good at what he does let's uh run through the schedule yeah yeah they open up the season um 
with VMI at home. Nice little warm-up game. Yeah. And then an even worse team at Vanderbilt in week two. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, following that, uh, they get Liberty at home for homecoming. The September 17th homecoming, pretty rare. Classic. You don't see that too often. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... How do we feel about that? that? Are you worried about Wake Forest's commitment to, to homecoming as a concept? <laughs> Doing homecoming to uh, to taunt Liberty's students who aren't allowed to dance because they live in the town from Footloose is very cruel. I don't... You know, like, it's not their fault that they that they live in the town from Footloose. It's... Uh, many of them were... Oh, well, it is their fault. They did choose to go there. They did choose to go there. Many of them were, were you know, uh, forced into it by their, uh, their you know, their, their, their moral um, obligation of course uh but it is a uh do you remember like in high school the student sections at football games making fun of the other school like doing a uh doing like a theme yeah. to make do fun i remember of i was the one i was the one coming up with them for Dude, school. it was that always was my job it was really funny when new albany would play westerville central i want to say which was another prep school um both schools student sections would dress up like preppy to make fun of the other one which was just just always really enjoyable unreal yeah it's like guys <laughs> just you that's just you what do you mean <laughs> um we had we had our like our rival next door was plum and we used to call them hicks keep in mind i i lived 20 minutes from downtown pittsburgh growing up yeah uh plum was i literally i could throw a rock from my house and hit the plum border yeah like it was just next to my house i lived on the border of Flash, plum, <laughs> plum Penn Hills, and monroeville and we would like Chant start the tractors for plum kids because we yeah. thought they were like farm kids, <laughs> just suburban Pittsburgh, just like five percent more rural than we were. Oh, <laughs> we dude, that's like rednecks and hicks all the time. Very funny. That's Midwestern excellence. That's what it's all about. Is is creating these these you know uh, sweeping stereotypes about towns that are like functionally identical to yours. There's no real yeah. difference between any of them. Um, yeah, that's Midwestern excellence, and we all love to do that. So three and zero to start uh, with a uh, with an especially insulting win on homecoming over over liberty um <laughs> and we are going to get some real nasty work september 24th we are going to find out like how Dabo handles the loss of Brent venables and tony elliott and mm-hmm. if his program can respond to this adversity like immediately yeah i hope we're that, gonna find out so fast hey i hope that new defensive coordinator knows what he's doing against the uh the slow mesh seems like that would be bad if he doesn't right and surely clemson has never had an issue where a new coordinator didn't know what he was doing right I was going to talk about them whenever we got to Clemson. Have you seen what their new DC looks like? Yes, I have. I, I've, I've, uh, I, I believe I've tried to track down a, um, a clinic of his because he was talking about something that I was writing about. But uh, yeah, he looks. Um, he doesn't look like a. He looks like coach. a League One manager. Like he looks yeah. like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm gonna pull up. What's his name? I, I don't have it in front of me. I'm gonna pull it up really quick. Um, Wes Goodwin. If you guys just That's Google. Right. Uh, West W E S Goodwin G O O D W I N. This guy looks like he's the manager of like not even the manager. Maybe he's like the assistant coach to a shitty like League One uh, English soccer team. He is really British looking. Yeah, he he's like <laughs> man, that's brutal. Yeah, he he kind of oh boy, that's. I don't like that. I don't much care for that at all. Um, but yeah, surely this guy who is a first-time defensive coordinator will uh, will be ready to go against the Wake Forest offense. That's my that's my guess on the road. That's <laughs> I think that's probably going to go really well for him. Uh, I, I really I, I'm actually like relative. I'm expecting someone of a Clemson bounce back just because I think they're ta- too talented. But um, I think they're going to lose to Wake. 
I think they're going to lose to Wake, and it's going to be either a wake-up call or they're going to fold like a fucking tent. Yeah, I agree. They're going to lose to Wake. They have nothing before this either. It's it's Georgia Tech, Furman, and Louisiana Tech, so they will not be tested at all. I think they're going to get punched in the mouth. I, I, I'm pretty confident in this being a, a Wake win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next, um, next up is at Florida State and then Army at home. Uh, any we had them winning that Florida State game, right? That's yeah. That's uh, yeah. And then I would assume they beat Army too. Five and zero start. Six and zero start. Six and zero. Yeah. And then a bye week. Well timed bye week right in the middle of the season. Uh, Boston College at home, I think, is a win. Uh, these two are interesting. The next two at Louisville at NC State back to back. That's tough. I I think they might lose to NC State. Yeah, I mean, I think both of those games are losable, right? Like, yeah, they are. But I, I would, I would guess they only drop one, and I think it's probably NC State. NC State is. Here's what I'll say of, of the collection of. Sorry to cut you off there, no, but of fine. the collection of Clemson at Florida State at Louisville at NC State, they'll go two and two. That's stretch. I don't know, man, because I don't think that Clemson's going to beat them, and I, I, I don't know that I could find a second one in there that would. Besides NC State. Yeah, besides NC State. That's... I just think on the net, like I think they're. We haven't seen a defensive improvement yet. Yeah, their margins are too small. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to. I, I think. To I think it's justifiable to say ten and two here. They finish the season: North Carolina, Syracuse, both at home, and then at Duke. I think it's justifiable to say ten and two of this, and not to know where the second one comes from, just to assume that it comes somewhere, right? I, I like that we're doing this for the ACC. By the way, I know I just said that, but it is great that we're just doing this add in the, the ACC factor loss. Yeah, which, uh, the, of course, the Pac-12 does not get because the Pac-12 never has that happen. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that the NC State game, I'm pretty confident they're going to lose. That's a really tough turnaround, getting Louisville on the road, physical team, and then, you know, a team, a physical team that also likes to air it out, and then NC State <laughs> the next week, another physical team, good defensive line, really likes to air it out. That's uh, that's hard. That's a really, really hard turnaround. And so I think that they're going to drop the NC State game. And then uh, second loss, I'm not as sure about as you are, but I I, I would assume it. It, it it's certainly we're gonna possible. we're gonna fuck around and pick NC State to go 12 and 0. By the way. Yeah, well, that's our prerogative. We're allowed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, come out of Wake Forest. We've got Pitt, uh, one of the home teams for uh, for us fellows here. Yeah. Um, look, I don't do this very often. I'm not a very humble guy. Uh, I'm prepared to eat some crow on Pat Narduzzi. Okay. Uh, I didn't think he had it in him. I'll be honest. I, I thought he was way shittier than that. I still um, kind of don't think he has it in him, to be clear. I, I, I really don't either. That's the thing. I'm eating crow, but I think I'm right still. <laughs> <laughs> I still, like, I don't know. It feels like that was a lot of things that went right all in one season in a way that yeah. kind of wasn't sustained. I mean, Kenny Pickett's not going to become good very often, right? Like, that doesn't happen all the time that Kenny Pickett Yeah, and good. he still talks shit in the media for no reason constantly, as he's done all week this week. He still, like, doesn't recruit very well, especially in his home area. Like, yeah. I, I, he, I don't think he, like, <laughs> is that good of a coach. I just think he he's a little – he's more Matt Campbell than Mark D'Antonio or Kirk Ferris. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't think that Which he – is an insult. Yeah, I, I don't think that he really grasped – or grasps, I guess, what worked last year, like why it worked so well. I don't think that it really makes sense to him, right? Like he appreciates it, but from what I've gathered, he doesn't know why that happened, right? I, I don't think that he can really translate it into more because he doesn't, I don't think he really grasps it. <laughs> I think it's just sort of one of those things that happened and he was there. Yes, uh, I agree. Um, speaking of, 
well, Kenny, Kenny Pickett's gone. As we, as we all know, Kenny Pickett's gone. Yeah. His best, uh, uh, his two best passing options from last year, tight end Lucas Kroll, uh, and of course, Plitnikoff winner Jordan Addison are gone. Yeah. Addison famously transferred to USC, crawls in the NFL. Uh, and then he brought in Frank Signetti to run his offense, which is poor. That is yeah. poor. Yeah. Um, besides that, if you get away from losing the three best players, and bring in a bad OC. The other signs are pretty positive, right? Yeah. They got Cle- Keaton Slovis, the transfer portal. He's had some rough patches the last couple of years, but was legitimately excellent in 2019. Mm. Um, mm. If, if he can, what'd you say? I said, mm. <laughs> I don't know. I thought he was, he was very good in 2019. You can say it to Mickey Mouse. You can say he's an area quarterback, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Um, he has all five returning starting offensive linemen back with, and also two backups starting experience. Yeah. They announced as a group they are returning, which is honestly pretty cool. Yeah. Um, left tackle, Carter Warren's really good. Five. I like right guard, Jake Cradell. Yeah. Uh, all those guys to me are pretty solid. Yeah. Five, um, uh, five seniors Receiver and tight end too. are, what'd you say? Five seniors up front too. Yeah, five seniors. Um, Owen Drexel is the center, is an all-ACC guy, another good kid, still friends with his dad. It's a great line. Uh, pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, very good line. Yeah. Um, Akron transfer, uh, Kanata Mumfield by the leading receiver here, yep. uh, with sophomore tight end Gavin Bartholomew, um, who is on the Mackey award preseason watch list. I just saw today. Um, their two leading rushers from last season are back with Izzy Abinacata and Vincent Davis. Um, they're going to run the football more as Pat will tell everyone in the media right now. He's begging them to run the football more. Yeah. I don't think he should do that. I don't <laughs> think you bring in an air raid quarterback, um, to throw the football, to run the football more, but what do I know? Yeah, it is it is funny to sort of bring in Keaton Slovis with what has now become this wide receiver room because I don't like I'm not super impressed with this wide receiver room now. You know, the the, the loss of obviously they couldn't factor in Jordan Addison uh, leaving, but like Kanana Mumfield's good. The rest of these guys I don't really I mean, your second best target is probably a tight end and he's a good tight end, but I I almost do wonder like with this offensive line back um is it <laughs> advisable to just sort of use Keaton Slovis as a game manager, like a high ceiling game manager. Um, I would feel better about that if they had good running backs instead of kind of just okay ones. Um, but like, I like Izzy. I think Izzy's pretty good. They're fine. And they should be better with the offensive line continuing to improve. But like, I honestly, I kind of get it with the receivers that they have with Keaton Slovis, I think being kind of limited as the focal point of an offense. I get it. I just, it's weird to bring him in if you, I would assume that they did not do that because they saw him as a game manager, right? And so now you're in this sort of situation where it's like, well, should we keep doing what he was doing or should we do something that he might be kind of good at and that might suit the personnel better but is not what he has been doing at all uh, and would be actually a pretty significant change from what he's been doing? Um, I don't know. I, I, it seems like that's where they're headed, uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is for that. If I had to guess, I think Pat's thinking here on this is – Hey, our defense is going to kick ass again. What we do best is disrupt quarterbacks and get after the passer. Yeah, Our guys are better at that if they're fresher. Let's try to have longer sustained drives with less explosive scoring and just run the football a lot. Give our Keep our defense fresh with the game. Let them just get after the quarterback and pin their ears back all day. Yeah. And I don't think that's the right way to approach it. I think you should take points however you can get them. Yeah. But and, and like when your defensive line is this group as it is, this group is as deep as it is this year. I don't think you should really be worried about that either, but that, that is my guess to how he would approach this. Yeah. I think generally um, the, uh, the adage that we would apply to this is like, if you can have a good offense, you should, right. You shouldn't actively hamper your offense. If you don't need to, I do wonder, like, I don't know that this would be a good offense. 
if they were just if they were going all out right like that's the thing i'm not sure about is i don't know that i trust this as a competent passing game like a, a on the level of producing a good to very good offense I, I don't know about that i'm not i'm not sold on that yeah uh yeah so speaking of the defense here what we got their defense kicked ass last year dude they were yeah. sick yeah um and they're really good again i mean they have everyone in the two deepest back on the defensive line yeah um Every single guy. That's they have seven redshirt seniors, and they were already last year second in the country and third in tackles for a loss. And they also held opponents to fewer than ninety rushing yards per game on average. Jesus. Um, there's no reason to think they won't do it all again, right? Yeah. Like that's just what you expect. Yeah, the strength of the defense is back. You know, Haba Baldonado is back. Uh, Kalijah Kansi is back. Deslin Alexander is Deslin back. Deslin Alexander, Devin yeah. Danielson, yeah. Uh, David Green, his name? David Green, Tyler, uh, Tyler Bentley, Bentley yeah. John like, Morgan. Also, by the way, all of those guys except Clancy and Baldonado are are were in the same recruiting class when I covered them together, mm-hmm. which was cool. Yeah, I uh, I think any one of those guys we just mentioned could be an all conference level player, right? Like they're all really good. This is an unthinkably good defensive line. Yeah, um, that is you know that has been a staple of of Pitts for several years now. Um, and then behind them, I don't Servassier. Yeah, Servassier Dennis is back at yeah. linebacker, who's a stud. Yeah, um, they brought a couple of transfers, which is not always a great sign, but Shane Simon from Notre Dame and Tyler Wiltz from Missouri State. Wiltz is, he's legit. That is an FCS transfer who is really good, in my opinion. Yeah, and then in the secondary, Marquise Williams is back at cornerback. Brandon Hill and Eric Hollett at safety. Hollett is better than, than Hill is, in my opinion. Um, and then MJ Devonshire, I think, is going to be put into a starting job here. I don't... Love, I still like him. I still like I don't love that. <laughs> um, but I think in general... The weaknesses on this defense are slight enough that it's going to continue its its uh, you know excellence, right? I, I don't expect that there is anywhere near enough trouble on the back end to seriously disrupt what they're doing. The front seven is just so good. Yeah, and Randy Bates is one of the best defensive coordinators. He's a, in the country. He's a killer. I know Pat gets the credit for this because he's you know a former DC, but by all accounts, it is Bates designing and calling the defense. It doesn't look really anything like to introduce these old Michigan state defenses. Yeah. Um, he's a Northwestern tree guy working under Mike Hankwitz and Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, I have a ton of respect for Randy Bates, one of the best TCs in the country and a guy I would like to see coaching at Ohio state one day. He's an Ohio state alum. Uh, if and when, I mean, this is just me talking, but if and when Jim Knowles move on, they should, they should have hired Randy Bates this time, honestly. But I mean, I like Jim Knowles, but I don't sure. think Randy Bates. Yeah. Um, All right. Schedule. Okay. Starting the season. Pitts opens up. They're going to kick the shit out of West Virginia in the oh, back yeah. roll. Yeah, I think they're gonna I think they're really gonna kinda make a mockery of that one. Um I'm excited that it's happening, but I, I don't imagine that West Virginia's got a whole lot going on <laughs> in there. Yeah. The only thing you could say is it's just a brand new OC and quarterbacks. West Virginia could just throw some things Pitt won't expect on uh yeah. on, but it's an air raid team. You just know what to expect anyway. They all do the same thing. Yeah, and well like I don't think that West Virginia's gonna be in a much better place in terms of you know, development at that stage of the season, right? Like West Virginia is starting more from zero than Pitt is this season in, in on both sides of the ball. So I, I, I don't see West Virginia as having much of a shot in that game. I think Pitt wins. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, week two, that is one Banger. of the best games of the season. This is a fascinating football game. Banger. With Tennessee, Pitt. I, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of Hendon Hooker and Tennessee's potential this season. Um, Jesus, I don't want to do, pick, however, I don't want to pick either of these teams. Not, what? <laughs> I don't want to pick either of these teams. Neither do I. I think I'm going to take Pitt because I think just talking about returning experience and week two, 
that Tennessee O-line, I still got some questions about. I still have some questions about their O-line. Yeah. And I don't have any questions about Pitt's D-line. And Hendon Hooker is a guy who's very improv- improvisational as a quarterback. Uh, if you need someone that can run out of the pocket and kind of make some plays with his legs, he can definitely do it. But I, I, I'm just going to bet on Pitt here. Yeah, I as I thought about it, it's not as as uh, difficult for me as I thought. Randy Bates is going to coach circles around Josh Eiple and Alex Kalash. Those guys do not have the depth of knowledge that Randy Bates does. It's not it's not going to go. It just doesn't it just doesn't go. Uh, this is a I think this is a pit win. I, I I Pitt's defense is so much more complex and structurally sound than Tennessee's offense is. It's just it's it's a. Uh, you're comparing like a freshman to a master's level kind of thing. It's it's ridiculous how how much more um, <laughs> sort of how many more answers Pitt's defense has than Tennessee's offense does. Tennessee's offense yeah. can really only do the one thing. It doesn't it doesn't go to step two. It has step one. And if step does step one doesn't work, it quits and goes plays next week. Uh, so yep. I, I think that that could be the situation. Um, also, man, looking at the schedule, um, if Pitt gets by Tennessee. Not a whole lot of challenges on here. Like, I yeah. don't think they're going to go 12-0 because it's Pitt, and I just don't think they have that in them. But, like, this is an all-time easy season for Narduzzi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So next up is at Western Michigan. Um, that's a win. This is a down year that's for Western Michigan. That's a weird game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the one that they lost last year. It's a revenge game <laughs> against Western fucking Michigan. Um, yeah, Western Michigan's down this year. That is that is not going to be anything, yeah. I don't think. Rhode Island. And then Rhode Island at home, Georgia yeah. Tech at home, Virginia Tech at home. That's that's that's, that's six. six and oh yeah that's six. Bye week. um good time for a bye week because out of the bye week they go to louisville um if there's a loss on this schedule it's either here or on november 26th i, I think well they have three they have three road games that to me look losable yeah um in, in the back half of the schedule basically between these three games we're going to talk about and the tennessee game they're not going to win all four they're not going to have to win all four they'll drop one i don't know which one the, the rest of the schedule to finish it off, by the way, is at Louisville, at North Carolina, home against Syracuse, at Virginia, uh, home against Duke, at Miami. Yeah. They're going to drop one of those games. I don't know which one, but I, I think this is an 11-1 football team. I think they could drop ultimately, and I don't know that I would predict this, I think they could drop two of uh, Tennessee, those, Tennessee, Louisville, Virginia, Miami. I could see that. Um, so the Virginia, Miami. Yeah, I mean, it's not crazy at all to think. Like, it, Pitt doesn't feel like an 11 1 team to me, but I. I don't know, dude. Like, I really, I, I'm, I'm concerned that the offense is not going to be at the level that we are maybe thinking it will, and and I, I could, I, I think I, I think I'd probably say 10 and two. Um, I think that they probably okay. drop two of those. Um, if I had to pick the losses too, I'd say at Louisville and at Miami. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think Miami by the end of the season is probably a much harder team to play than it is at the at the beginning of the season. So I could, I could, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, who's next? Okay, we are on to Clemson. Yeah, uh, we know the Pine Box has come for Dabo. He lives inside the Pine Box now. Yeah, the modern day Mac Brown has been vanquished. His shambolic corpse needs to stumble around, do the damn gritty and pink suit, and make embarrassing little TikToks. Yeah, Patrick. The, pad, the product will only continue to degrade. He's only getting worse from here. Uh, he does not have the goods anymore. No one is scared of him. Yeah. Uh, he might have a couple quarterbacks in the roster behind DJ, but I don't think he's going to do anything with them. And DJ Uangalele cannot throw a football accurately. He is being cursed with the dad voodoo. He can't do it. Uh, yeah. Their running backs cannot stay healthy. They all get hurt all the time. Uh, they haven't had a good offensive line in at least four years, been having like one decent left tackle this year. Yeah. Um, their receivers are all hurt constantly, and they drop the football when they are around. Uh, their offense will once again be Cheeks. It's going to be Cheeks. Tony Elliott's gone. 
there's just nothing happened with this offense. It looks terrible to me. Like you yeah. can say Will Shipley is the whole offense and he's had like four healthy games so far. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't really see anything about this offense that, to, that is interesting to me. Right. I, I don't think that, yeah. I don't think there's just, any, I just don't think there's anything here. I think Cade Klubnik could sort of change the arithmetic a little bit at the back end of the season when he ultimately becomes the starter, but like he doesn't have any receivers. Yeah, throwing to what receivers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he doesn't have any receivers. And they can't keep him upright. So it's like, I don't even know how much of this is DJ's fault. I think it's just that they're structurally not very good offensively anymore. They, they, yeah, like say what you want with the other guys. At least DJ's big. He can take a hit, yeah, he right? Big. Cade Klubnik's made a, like he's made a paper mache. Yeah. Like, that, that guy's a skinny little white boy. He's not going to handle this. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we need to dwell on the offense a ton. It's going to suck. It's going to be not good. I don't really think that there's yeah. I don't think that there is a path where this offense is good. It's just not it doesn't have the players to do that anymore. Yeah. Um defense, okay, well, that's enough about that. The defense, however, <laughs> the defense is is going to be filthy though. Yeah. Uh I mean, I think they lose Brent Venables, but the Brian Breezy, Miles Murphy, Tyler Davis, Xavier Thomas defensive line, that's maybe the best in the country, right? If, is, yeah. if it's not Pitt, it's Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, KJ Henry uh, coming off the fucking bench if he's not, you know, in trouble. Um, yeah, yeah, it, Justin Maskell also good. Yeah. Um, they also have some addition by subtraction. The fact they lose all of their like big white boy linebackers, including James Galsky. I'm sure I'm confident um, that they have more. I believe in Dabo's ability to have more. <laughs> well, they still have Tyler Venables uh, in in the two deep. He didn't go with the stab, which is pretty funny. God. Yeah, of course, uh, of course they do. They have to. Yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah the the front four is is fantastic. Behind them, there are some questions. I would say, um, not necessarily yeah. of of talent, but of experience. Right, like Barrett Carter should be good. Levante Bentley should be good. Uh, we haven't really seen that yet, though. Right, haven't seen that at the level that they will be asked to this season. Um, they're they're and, they should be good. Uh, Trenton Simpson, and their DC is is a, is a first year defensive coordinator yes. who is 37 years old has never coordinated a defense before and has spent the last four years being a quote senior defensive assistant. He was just like hanging out. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Now Trenton Simpson, he's good. Trenton Simpson is good. Um, but then in the secondary, Sheridan Jones is not good. <laughs> Sheridan Jones, I don't know, I don't know where this like. He's not good. He's never been good. He's just big. He's, He's just, just big. big. But like Sheridan Jones, I remember as a recruit, look looking at him, I'm like, why is this guy a four star? He's not good. He's like not a he's good big. football player. He looks player. like a prototype, and he yeah. runs fast. Yeah. Um. So like, I he's not good. Nate Wiggins, is, I don't think is really all that proven. I don't have high hopes for him. Um. You know, I liked R.J. Mickens coming out of high school, but he's not done a whole lot here. Uh, Toriano Pride is a freshman. Fred Davis Jr. or Fred Davis. I do II. like Toriano Pride. I want to say that. I, I like, like him Toriano too, but Pride. he is a freshman. Uh, Fred Davis the yeah. second, I think, is interesting in theory, but that's the entire secondary, pretty much, is guys who are interesting as recruits who have not really done anything at this level. Yeah, the more I'm thinking about it, I wonder if we actually should have had Miami higher, just because every other team this tier, except the one we're going to talk about next, only has one side of football, right? Yeah. Clemson only has defense, and like they have half a defense. Uh, yeah. Pitt has a sick defense, but no offense. Uh, Wake Forest has all offense, zero defense, as far as I can tell. Uh, Miami uh, at least has some something to be said about on both sides. You know, they don't have any receivers or running backs. Like, um, I don't know. Let's go through the Clemson schedule because I mean, that's I guess I don't know. I, well, it's really quick, just from a bigger picture perspective, I do think the Clemson era is basically over, right? I don't think it's coming back. Yeah. Um, I think they have enough talent kind of hanging around. They can win 10 games a year until like this falls off and Dabo retires, but he should retire and commit Sapuku in front of Howard's rock. Is there a parallel for that? Is there like a, uh, I'm trying to think, I don't know that there is like a power program just 
kind of dropping and not really becoming outright bad, but not being what it was. I don't know, like, I guess Texas under Mac Brown kind of did that for a couple of years. And Mac Brown yeah, the end was pretty bad for Mac Brown, I yeah, guess. It I got mean, bad like, pretty quick. You could say the last, uh, I was going to say Woody, but like Woody Hayes, even like he had a, yeah, it, a it, it, orange bowl it, win in his final three seasons. Like yeah. he, he wasn't that bad. And like when Earl Bruce took over, I mean, it still wasn't bad. They just won nine games every year. But with the same coach, with the coach who was the sure. legend. Yeah, that um, is that is strange. I don't know, what was, I, what was that, the end of Lloyd Carr like? I'm, I'm, uh... It was kind of like this. That might be it. They didn't win two championships, but that that's. I guess Bobby Bowden kind of did this, but he also just got old. So I don't really know that it's like Dab yeah. was not old. Dab was like in his fifties. I don't think that he's like. It doesn't really make sense that this has happened to him. You know, it's not like he just yeah you know. coached with multiple rings. Yeah, Bowden's the good example. Bowden's probably the one who did this. Uh, I, I guess you could also say. Um, I mean, Les Miles kind of did this, yeah. Uh, but different problems also. Les Miles is probably the yeah. Probably Le- the example, less is maybe, a, but... yeah, less is a decent example. That that makes. But less at least had edit like I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's less. Less, Who knows? less is Either probably way, yeah. Less is probably um, the example because it's like the collapse never really fully a collapse, but always limited because of his own issues. Right? It was not really a. Like, oh, they don't have talent. Oh, it was not like any of that. It was just like the head coach can't get out of his own way because he is so completely committed to his own ideological project, right? Like that was what the yeah. issue was with Les. And I think it's the same thing with Dabo. Yeah, I agree. Um, and again, really quick reminder, if you have not done it yet, please Google Wes Goodwin. Please just whatever you do. Yeah, if you're driving, take, take a look at the man. Text and drive. Google Wes Goodwin. You guys got to look at him. Yeah. Yeah. Get a, get a look at this guy. Just go, go do some gawking. Um, all right. Schedule. Starting the, uh, starting the season at Georgia Tech win Furman at home win Louisiana Tech at home win I mentioned these earlier in the Wake Forest preview because Wake Forest is next on the road this is a loss right yeah yeah, yeah I think that's a loss man and the tough part here is this for this team is like their season rides on the following game like they then the following yes. week they turn around and get NC State at home yeah and I think NC State should straight up a better football team I do too yeah I I, just, I don't think that Clemson has the the firepower to keep up with these really good offenses. The defense can certainly limit that limit them, but like I don't think you could shut down either of these offenses, even if you're the best defense in America. And so yeah, and the I, NC State, unlike Wake Forest, NC State has a damn good defense. Yeah, yeah. So I just I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the uh, I I don't I don't know what the path is here for Clemson. I think it loses both games. I think it's three and two the season. I think they win out for their bye week. They get at Boston College, at Florida State, home against Syracuse. I think they win those three games. Yeah, so that would be six um, and two. Six and two. Six and two. Bye yeah, week. then they're bye week. Then Notre Dame. They probably beat Notre Dame, right? I'm, I'm going to mention. It's worth mentioning because it is uh, a frequent topic on the show. Halloween bye week. This is a Halloween bye week right before going to Notre Dame. It's not what you want. And your players are already checked out because they know they're not a playoff contender. Yeah. Hmm. I think they might lose to Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's pretty Mickey Mouse this season. Doesn't have a quarterback. And I think yeah. whatever quarterback they do have will be running for his fucking life. Yeah. You know, that is one of those that's going to be hyped up and is going to be just awful. <laughs> an awful oh, that's football a terrible game. football game. This is like a 17 to 13 football game. Yeah. Again, like you said, pouring rain, absolutely pouring rain. For some sure. reason it's like maybe freezing rain too. I don't know if people are gonna be like, Oh, it's going to be cold in South mm-hmm. bank. And those Clemson boys handle it. And they will, uh, win the game by running the football down their game's throat somehow, which is going to be funny. Yeah, and then in the season, Louisville at home, Miami at home, South Carolina at home. So 
10 and 2. 10 and 2. 10 and 2. Yeah, 10 and 2. And like maybe we're wrong about one of the, maybe the Wake Forest lost, they lose it somewhere else this season. But this team's not winning 11 games. This team is not a playoff defender. No. Yeah. I, I think that that's, I think that that's fair. And um, I believe they have the best individual odds to make the playoff of any, any team in the country right now. Christ. Just fucking stupid. At least they did at one point. So maybe it's now it's Bam or something. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see it, dude. Maybe I'm. Are we? Are we just blinded by like Dabo hatred? I really don't see it. I don't know, man. Team. I mean, I think that people are maybe honestly in the other direction that they are. They are blinded by 2017 Dabo. That guy doesn't exist anymore. That's not what they're yeah. doing anymore. They're not. They are not that team. They don't have those guys that they used to there, have. There's no right. Trevor Lawrence. There's no Deshaun Watson. There's yeah. no like uh, who are the quarterback and all the receivers. You say they have like yeah. those guys aren't there right yeah, now. Mike, there's no T Higgins. Yeah, Mike Williams. You know, it's it's guys like that. They're just not. They don't have those guys. Joseph Nada is not that guy. He's just not right. <laughs> yeah, and like maybe he has a great senior year thing, but I'm not gonna bet on it. I don't know. Yeah. Like I think that uh, Ohio State, for which we want to say about that as a program. They do have a thing they've done now several times where they yeah. beat like a team that was on a prominent, like historically unlikely run and in like a, a huge national game. And once that happens, that team's soul is gone. It happened to Miami. Yeah. It happened to Clemson. It's happened a couple other times before that. This team just like you could argue like what they did to Notre Dame in the nineties kind of ended Notre Dame's like uh Notre Dame still obviously had success since then, but they get blown out in all big games now. Yeah. Like they just take some team souls and i think that's what happened at clemson yeah i mean if i was coaching across from ryan day and he beat me i would kill myself i would go home and i would kill <laughs> yeah i mean if i was playing him a madden he beat me at the affair that guy can't yeah. cl- like you, he can have a 14 point lead in you in the fourth quarter and you just know he's gonna throw three picks and lose it's just yeah. is what he does yeah yeah he says it's ryan day time we're gonna, th- we're gonna go deep it's time to, it's time to go deep <laughs> up by 14 um oh no <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, it's Ryan daytime. He says he gets in the car to drunk drive. To, uh, to... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have no evidence of that. No. Um, yeah. Uh, Dave Dorn and NC State. Let's talk about them. Yeah. Uh, we're, as we're about to hit hour fucking three of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, Dave Dorn is one of the most consistent coaches in the country. He almost never gets his due, in my opinion. This team was four points away from being perfect in ACC play with an 11 and one record and a shot to play for the ACC title game against Pitt. Yeah, these guys um, fucking rock. These guys are like extreme. This is an extremely good team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're great, dude. They've got eight and four or better in four of the last five seasons. They put players in the NFL every single year. They develop players as well as anybody, in my opinion. It's a damn good program. I mean, yeah. they really do that all the time. Like, yeah. I think it's. His I, player development is exceptional. I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna I know it's not really going out of on a limb with the players that they have, but it is relative to the school's history. I think that this is I think it's time. I think it's time that they break through. I I think that really, actually, this is the year that they do it. I know we say this all the time, but I think that this is the year. To be fair, we only have our podcast for two seasons. This is sure. we called it last year. We were right. People, yeah. people hated on us. We were correct. Yeah, but I think that this is the year that they get to double digits. I think that this is the year that they are uh, like a serious, yeah. a serious contender, serious, serious. And, contender. and if people don't know this stat, there has been one time in NC State's history football program have ever won ten games. Yeah, it's only happened once, and it hasn't been uh, like recently. I don't think <laughs> it was not like. No, I'll pull it up. Like they, um, they've had, they've had so on. many talented players, and none of that has yielded anything uh in terms of like you know double digit win seasons or anything like that but i think i know that 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 uh, uh I, I, they won 11 games in 2002 with chuck amato as the head coach let's go that would have been i think the philip rivers team um and their, their best season of all time was the two they just won the 2003 gator bowl that's, that's what awesome. they got that's awesome you got to respect that but yeah, yeah philip rivers was the mvp that game too. yeah like right. i i think this is the one i think that this is the one that can do it i think that this team is is 
the culmination of Doran's tenure. He's coming on, what is this, year nine now? Um, I think that this is his ideal team. It's what they've been building for, and I think that they're going to be excellent. I, I really do. Yeah, I can't disagree, man. I mean, like, I know we talked about him in the quarterback pod, but just to refresh here, like, Devin Leary is – I'll talk about him at the end. Let me go to the other off- – that's the offense first. Let me just get this out of the way. Yeah. Five players with real start experience are back on the offensive line. Yep. Both guards, the center, and a swing interior offensive lineman who played multiple games at each position in the left tackle. They do need to bring in a right tackle, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, they did lose uh, Ikea Ekwanu at left tackle, which is a big deal. That's a big deal. Uh, that's, yep. I'm not going to downsize that. He is a first-round pick, great player. But uh, Anthony Belton has been repping behind Dickey and appears to take over at one of those spots. So they're going to have si- they're going to have six deep basically in the O line, which they feel pretty good about. Yeah. Um, o development has been great here for years. They've not had a bad O line in quite some time. This is what yep. they do. Yep. Uh, there are questions with the skill positions. I, they did lose three legitimate NFL players and Ricky Parson, Bam Knight, and Emeka Amezi. But they have veteran receivers Thayer Thomas and Devin Carter back. Tight end Trent Penix, no relation to Michael, uh, and Chris Tootle are back. Yep. Um, and not to mention they have the best. One of the best quarterbacks in college football, Devin Leary. Yeah. What he did is insane, dude. Like, like real arm talent, like real zip on the football. So good at hitting tight windows under pressure. Uh, PFF graded him as committing zero turnover-worthy throws uh, and 52 dropbacks in the red zone last fall. Jesus. They had him throw the ball 52 times in the red zone. Zero were turnover-worthy. Man. Um, his interception rate last year in all of his posts combined was 1.16, which is insane. That's nuts. A sub two is NFL level yeah. uh, for a college quarterback, like, like high level draft pick. A 1.16 is like unheard of. People don't do that. Yeah. He, uh, to have the, the arm strength that he has with the, the, uh, how little he makes mistakes is ridiculous. It is, it is, you very, very rarely see guys who can do that. Yeah. I mean, uh, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions, over 3,400 yards on uh, 65.7% completion. Um, 20, there are 33 quarterbacks in college football history who have thrown for at least 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns on 65% or better completion. And 26 of those 33 were taken in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. Yeah. Um, he, he basically like is a guarantee to be a high-level draft pick next year. Um, his Carroll football accuracy, it's incredible, man. I think he is like a real freak, someone who can lead a team anywhere they want to go. If he stays healthy and this O-line is what we think it is, uh, he has time to figure out a couple of receivers here. But, like, everything is there for him. Like, this offense should be stacked. Yeah. I am slightly worried about the loss of the receivers, but I, th- I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, I would like – and I, I'm sure that this is nationally among most circles. This is not a popular take, but I think here is probably – something we would agree on or at least we're close to. Uh, it didn't reflect in the quarterback rankings, but like I would put Devin Leary on my offense before I would put Bryce Young on my offense. I would I would, just, I would take Devin yeah. Leary before Bryce Young. I think he's better. I think he's a better quarterback. Yeah, I agree with that straight up. I think the only quarterback in the country I think over him is C.J. Stroud. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even then, it's not like a huge gap. C.J. Stroud's better, but it's not by a, a like an unthinkable yeah. margin. Stroud just has better touch. Like he just, he just hits like, yeah. The, the one critique of Leary is that he goes to his fastball too often, which I mean, I, when I say fastball, I mean literally throwing the ball hard. Yeah. Like he just does that. He doesn't, he does a little bit too often, but like, yeah, he's his a, skill he's of, of hitting accuracy, accurate throws in the rollout is intense too. That's pretty. Yeah. Pretty and special. they're, they're never going to be out of a game because of him specifically, right? Because of the, the ability of, of what he can do in the passing game, even without receivers that we're super confident in, he's just so fucking good that it's going to always be hard to get these guys off the field. It's the same thing we were talking about with Wake Forest, where it's just like, it's really hard to find an answer for him. He's really good. It's, it's, 
there's not a yeah. whole lot you can do defensively to stop him. He's he's too uh, he's too accurate. He is too good. There's not really a weakness in his game as a passer. Yeah, and I'm trying to pull the numbers here because I know Doran talked about in the offseason, but like his performance in fourth quarters last year, like you mentioned, never out of the game because his comeback performances were incredible. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah, he is he is ridiculous uh, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I'm trying to find the stats. I don't have it in front of me, but uh, people, uh, from what I can hear, it's it's pretty pretty special. Uh, yeah, I'd like to. I'll get those up before we before we finish this up. But uh, yeah, so offense yeah. is going to be excellent. Offense was excellent last year. I think it it remains excellent. One of the most uh, just entertaining offenses to watch. Really, really like watching these guys play. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, couldn't agree more. You know the defense really quick. Yeah, so the defense brings back everybody. <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much everybody, right? Uh, I'm seeing ten starters back. There's a there's a defensive lineman gone, but other than that, it's just like it's you know Peyton Wilson and Isaiah Moore are gone, but like they're um, is that right? Yeah, Peyton Wilson is gone. No, I'm like 95 percent sure. Yeah, I don't know why he's listed on this depth chart that I'm looking at. Then, um, no. Maybe he's back. Yeah, oh, he's man, back. I thought the report him was gone. Oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> never mind. Peyton Wilson and Isaiah Moore are back. So, yeah, literally the entire defense is back then. Uh, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> that... My God. What the fuck? I didn't even realize that. These guys are going to go to the playoff. Yeah. Holy uh, shit. Yeah, he is back. They have maybe the best returning defense in college football, yeah? Oh, my God. Yeah, he's he, Peyton. Sorry, I'm just I'm taking it back. Peyton Wilson's coming back from injury, uh, missed spring practice, but it seems like he's gonna play. Like this is former all first team all ACC player at linebacker. Um, I mean, god damn, <laughs> you're getting you're getting our live reaction here. I had not re- I didn't realize that he was coming back. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. By the way, really quick here, the five the four quarterbacks. Five, sorry, five quarterbacks in FBS history to throw at least 35 touchdown passes and no more than five interceptions are 2014 Marcus Mariota, uh, Heisman, 2014 Cody Kessler, who is damn good quarterback, you know, uh, NFL draft. He went to the Browns in third round, I believe. Yeah. Uh, 2019 Justin Fields, Heisman runner up and 2020 Mac Jones, Heisman. Yeah. Uh, or no, sorry. He didn't win the Heisman because Devontae Smith won it, but you, you know, you get the idea. Pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty damn good. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, this defense, I mean, I don't even know where to start. They're all, it's really good. Corey Durden is good. Savion Jackson is good. Drake Thomas is good. Isaiah Moore, Peyton Wilson, Shaheen Battle, Derek Pitts. Like you just, it's all these fucking guys who are like, there's not a ton of, I don't think superstars here, but they have so much depth and everybody is so solid. Like to have Drake Thomas as your third best linebacker is ridiculous. Like it's it's just the defense is just rock solid all the way around. There's not a single part of it that I would have any worries about. And, and also, I mean, to boot a veteran DC who knows how to play in this conference, Tony Gibson, right? Tony yeah. Gibson came up uh, when the Big Twelve was in peak air raid era at West Virginia, and when West Virginia actually used to have good defenses, and then moved to NC State. Uh, and by the way, he's also a hell of a recruiter, but. Uh, moved to NC State and has like really thrived during the passing era of NC State football. Yeah. Uh, last year, they were 10th in stop rate, 14th in defensive SP+, 19th in yards per game, 17th in yards per play, second completion percentage allowed, and 15th in scoring defense. Just excellent on every metric. Like they, they, I think allowed like a few more yards per carry. You like from a run, from like a rushing defense, but like that's it, and and that's the only thing they have. Going, which you got to give something up, right? You got to give something yeah. up, and in this. Yeah, this league you want to give up rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing is that they are this scheme, and I don't even really know if this was intentional, right? Because I think Gibson came along before the defense really 
or before the offense has really shifted in this league to being so pass heavy. But like, this is the exact scheme you, that you would want to be running in this league. You know, we talked about the Syracuse defense earlier as another three, three, five guy. It's just, this is, this is really good for this, uh, for the competition that you're playing in this, in this conference. It's a really good fit. Yeah. Um, do you want to pick their games? Yeah. Let's talk schedule. All right, man. They open the season at East Carolina, which is pretty funny, but is a win. Yep. Um, they get, what's up with the ACC teams that play on the road at G5 teams? Why are they doing this so often? I would guess that a lot of them do two-for-ones, and for some reason they all just came due this year. Yeah. I've, my conference, we're playing three-for-ones. We are not playing a two-for-one. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Charleston Southern comes to Carter Finley. They get Texas Tech coming, UConn coming. That's their first four games. It's an easy 4-0. Oh. Yeah. Texas Tech will lose by 4,000 points. Oh, yes. Um, fuck Texas Tech, as always. Yeah. Uh, at Clemson. Uh, that's a win. We already picked it. Yep. Florida State at home at Syracuse. Any concerns with these these first uh, seven games? No, dude. NC State walking into Clemson and beating them for the second year in a row on their home field is going to be so satisfying. It's- <laughs> that is like a real confirmation moment, right? Like, like I know they got close last year, and they like the attitude seems to be Dennis. Like, it's not good enough. Like, we want to break through. We want like it's it's they have a chip on the shoulder. They keep saying like if they prove it by beating Clemson on the road, um, yeah. That's it, man. What else can you say? Yeah, that's the one where it's like, okay, yep, this is this is the new uh, the the new era in the ACC is is if yeah. if Wake Forest and are NC they, State beat Clemson, are they better off if Wake uh, loses? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, I like I guess just by you know jostling for position, but like I don't I don't not know even that. I mean, like from a Clemson's mindset perspective, like Clemson oh. if they, Clemson comes in undefeated they'll be a little more off guard than if they're like fighting for their lives. This week. I don't know that it would make a huge difference. I, I would imagine that Clemson will be motivated for both games regardless. Right. I, I, I can't, yeah. I can't see a world where Clemson comes into the NC state game having lost last year. And is like, Oh, we could probably overlook these guys. Like NC state's going to be a top yeah. 10 team, you know? Right. Okay. So they get Virginia tech. They get a bye week after Syracuse. Then Virginia tech at home, Wake forest at home, Boston college at home. Final two road games are at Louisville and at North Carolina. Um, Man. Of the games in the schedule, at Clemson's by far the toughest, I'd say. Yeah. Other potential losses, like I, at Louisville is a tricky game. I think they win that game. Syracuse, I don't think, has the horses, but Syracuse just has that Russian attack to trip them up. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Wake, Wake Forest. Forest at home maybe is difficult, but I yeah. think this is a 12-0 team, dude. I do, too. I think that they're probably going to the playoff. Um, I, I would, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I, I just... Maybe they lose one. I don't know where it comes from. You mentioned the four that look tricky being, you know, on the road, right? Or, or three of those being yeah. on the road. Can't, is, is can't afford to lose to Clemson. I'll say that. Yeah, can't like, lose Almost any other game you can afford to lose. And, and like, Wake, too. Fuck, if you miss out in the title game because Wake beats you, that's tough. Those are the two games you just have to win. That is the, I, I will say right now, the uh, the game that, like, might not be the most talked about of the week, uh, November 5th. One of the games one. of the year. But, yeah. like, that is the game... We will certainly talk about this when it's coming around too. That is the game you should be watching that week. That is the number one game you should have on your television is NC State Wake Forest. I don't know what yeah, other games I are be- that week. I believe I it's care. the same week as uh, Oklahoma Texas, right? Is don't that yeah, that week? Don't care. Doesn't matter. Both of those teams will have two losses at that point. Not my problem. Oh no, I'm yeah. agreeing with you. Yeah. But I mean, like that's like that'll be like it gets all the air from the sure. Oh man, Steve Sarkeesian and Brett Reynolds. I don't give a shit. I'm watching the big boys play. Yeah, I'm watching Dave Dorton. I'm watching the Daves. I'm watching the Dave show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. man. Patrick, we are at three fucking hours in this episode. We should get out of here. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Field Flipping. I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Ryan is at B1G underscore Ryan. Um, 
We will be back sooner than usual, I believe, with the Big 12 preview. Is that... Yeah. Yeah. We've got some... Uh, you'll find out why soon. And Actually, are we supposed to be teasing it right now in this episode? Should we uh, tell them? Anyone who stayed along this late, should we just tell them right now? Um, I don't know. What do you think? Your call. Um, Muhammad Basalman is joining the podcast. <laughs> 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 uh, we'll announce it on the next one. You'll either see a tweet from us or you hear it in the next podcast. Yep. Uh, this one comes out June, July 26th. You'll hear it in the next podcast. You'll, we got a little something for you in the next podcast. Yeah, um, yeah something, something so special. You, 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 you watch your head top. Yeah. All right. We will talk to you guys soon.